Oh, hello. This is Steve's spotlight on someone else. You know, if if ever you're like Steve's spotlight, you know, it's planned for and people sign up for it. But if you were just hanging out sort of sort of in 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 wherever, just in a regular normal place and suddenly there's a spotlight on you, but more than anything, I think you should be careful because that probably means you're 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 about to be arrested unfortunately because they do have those on police vehicles like a spotlight that they can just turn on any random individual any any suspect uh i i used to drive a taxi that used to be a police car and it had one of those spotlights hello chris hi are we talking to somebody else no i was just talking to nobody Nice. Wait, am yeah. I late? No, you're right on time. I was I was like maybe <sighs> 20 seconds early. Whew. Oh yeah, take okay, a breather. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to drink some coffee real quick too. Oh, Get over delicious. That, that does t- coffee does not uh calm my nerves at all. Me either. Yeah. I I I drink it and I'm just all all wiry all day. Yep, that's how I feel. I am going to go to yeah. bed in five hours, which is supposed to be the cutoff for um, caffeine anyway. Uh-oh. Wait, I lied. I'm probably not going to go to sleep in five hours. I'm probably going to go later than that. But anyway, I feel the you same drink, way about coffee. Yeah. You drink coffee like every day? Yes. Oh, boy. I, 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 I don't drink coffee like ever. I drink it very rarely. And I feel like, I don't know. I feel like I feel the effects of it, uh, you know, after five hours. Oh yeah, especially if you don't drink it frequently, he probably yeah. will send you on a caffeine trip. Ah, uh, a trip? I mean, I uh, hmm. I a don't trip think I, to I don't a think... panic attack. Yeah, yeah, that's that's more like it. I don't know. I probably <laughs> only drink. I, I I probably only drink it when I like have to be awake though too, which is probably part of the problem because that probably also adds to the the panicky nature of it. Oh, no. Yeah, because if you absolutely have to be awake, then whatever that thing is, is already high stakes or rel- like more high stakes than a normal thing. Yeah. And then you add coffee. Yeah. Uh-oh. And then, yeah. Mm. It tastes good, though. Ugh. Decaf. Oh, it sure does. <laughs> yeah, decaf. I don't want to deal with that. That just sounds lame. I um, I bought a box of compostable... Um, coffee pods for like the, you know, for the Keurig because the regular mm-hmm. coffee pods are very bad for the environment. And mm-hmm. when I got, and so usually I use the reusable one that you put, you know, grounds into, but it takes a lot of time. And so kind of defeats the purpose of <laughs> like having a Keurig at your disposal. Yeah. But yeah. when I opened up the packaging, it was like compostable. I was like, yes, good. That's what I expected in industrial settings only. And I was like, what? And it's oh. like your community may not have the, machinery to make this rot. And I was like, well, that sucks. Yeah. And also, I don't know what, I don't know how that would work. Like there's, there's industrial recycling, like industrial composting machinery. Yeah. Which to me, I don't, I can't imagine like the process being that much more intensive than what you can do 
at home, but I imagine it's just at scale, right? So yeah. if I throw this in the trash and it ends up in the landfill, I'm almost positive it is going to decompose. It'll just take longer than yeah. if it was actually composted. You you need that that machine at the end of Terminator One where they smash the Terminator first before your before your things start composting. You're terminated. <laughs> she Amazon does she. Clint. Uh, does she say you're terminated? Uh, expletive. Like, you think so? She says an expletive. I thought she said. Does she? Does she? Does she not say "fuck you" in the unedited version? Yeah, I think. I think it's the TV. The TV edit is. There's no expletive. I think she says you're terminated instead. We could easily reference yeah, this yeah. right now. But. No, you know. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I think that the TV edit is the one that says she says you're, and it's she's like you're terminated like that. It's like a weird edit, and then yeah. I think in the in the real one, she says, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. It like doesn't, it doesn't fit. Yeah. I think it's her voice though. I don't know. It's all growly. That's twice as many, uh, that's twice as many syllables. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, that's why it would be look weird, but I see, I don't know. Cause they do Wait. try to squeeze it in the single cut. I think. You're terminated. That's over twice as many syllables, and your is not the simplest of individual syllables. <laughs> so it's almost like three times as complex. Yeah. Yeah. Can you say that? Good. Can you say it, though, by making the fuck you mouth movements? Yeah, let me try. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, I, only the jaw movements, I guess, because you can't, you can't maneuver everything else to make like a different phoneme it's not possible well, okay so yeah yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah that's all i got not without extensive puppetry puppetry uh what am i thinking of ventriloquism not without extensive ventriloquism training i'm really curious about how yeah i want to look into that now i definitely <laughs> want to find out more about that like oh, how they do yeah. that but ventriloquism yeah, that's one thing I never really looked deeply into. I, th I thought it was, like, if you've ever seen that episode of Doug, where that he's learning to be a ventriloquist, and he he's learning, like, <laughs> instead of, I don't know, B, you say V, or some, something like that. You say different letters yeah. just to hide it. That's like when I, sometimes, like, there have been times when I've driven around and tried to figure it out, and it's like, yeah, if you... Uh, do another like sound that's like approximate, but doesn't look like you're si you're actually saying it. You can get away with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think that's I think that's what it is. I think it and relies then, on the human brain wanting to decode sounds in a in a certain way. Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> he has to like sing while drinking a glass of water, if I recall, right? A ventriloquist? No, Doug specifically. Isn't that part of that episode? Oh. I think, it, uh, I think in the end, like Skeeter fills in as the dummy for him. Uh, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then, and then they do, they, they, they do that water trick for, I think they just do that water trick. Do you, I, I love Doug, by the, I love oh, yeah. Doug, by the way, like, I love, I, I always connected with him cause he's left-handed and I was like, I am the same as Doug. And, um, there's so many cool, like little, like, features of that show like do you do you uh, know the acronym uh, behind mr dink's name 
double income, no kids. Yeah, which is exactly yeah. what those people, that couple is. Yeah. I love stuff like that. Yeah. Well, I think about that whenever I hear that acronym, which is not very often. Or yeah, uh, yeah. Really, only in Doug, and maybe like mm. financial newspapers. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. That's it. That's a. I guess it's a kids' show, but. Doug didn't have as many, I think, as those kind of references to adult things as like, I mean, no. Rocco's Modern Life is like, that's what that show is. Yes. Yeah. There, I, there's one Doug episode that I want to reference because I thought it was old Doug, but I think it's actually post like Disney Doug. So and I'm less familiar if, if that's true. I had a hard time finding it, but basically it's like, a, it's this episode where like, I think Judy's going to college or something and they need to like shop for dorm stuff and they go to their version of ikea which is called <laughs> snort gloopin or snort groupin snort groupin and they lean way more into like the scandinavian stuff so people are actually wearing like the, the horned helmets and stuff but it's all very modern otherwise and i remember my favorite gag from that encounter was they can't find bookcases anywhere and they're like pulling their hair out and they're like where are the bookcases and the employees are like bookcases we don't need bookcases at Snort Group, and all of our books are interlocking, and they, they lock all the books together. Hmm. Hmm. Like what? Like oh, like how? Like I'm imagining normal books, but they're opening them and closing them on each other. No, they had like holes and pegs on the exterior. Like oh. one side had a peg and one side had a hole, and so you could always put their books together. Like they're Legos. <laughs> yeah, which is another hmm. Scandinavian thing because it's from Denmark. Is that true? Oh, that's just yeah. layers, layers to the joke. Oh man. Yeah, I do, Yeah, I didn't watch the Disney Doug. I didn't like it as much. No, there's some. There's something about. Yeah, it's the original Doug on Nickelodeon had such a. It had a weirdness to it that's just yeah. like not replicated a lot or, or whatever. And it was more organic feeling, even in how it was like presented. Like the Doug Disney Doug was very clean um, yeah. animation compared to the earlier stuff. Yeah. Oh man, have you watched like old Simpsons and, and then like the the modern Simpsons? Yeah, it's almost like Squiggle Vision, and like the modern yeah. Simpsons is like the crispest thing you've ever seen in your life. Yeah, and it's yeah, and they're like they're like almost like are are you watching 3D models being animated? Or something. It's like they can do all kinds of weird angles that they would it would be impossible. Yeah, and the voices are way different um, early on too. Like Homer's like, "Bark, don't make me come down there." Like, hey, that's pretty good. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everybody had like a different intonation. Yeah. Don't have a don't have a cow, man. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of animation and the freedom that it allows you have you ever watched the star trek animated series based on the original show oh uh, oh yeah 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 i thought you were gonna say it's, lower decks but i have no not yeah, oh that. yeah the animated series i love the animated series it's so goofy and like they can do stuff like lose gravity control and like float around yeah. the bridge and stuff yeah but it's I, also like oh go ahead sorry oh i was gonna say my favorite episode is the Oh, uh, what is it called? The something of Megas Two? The magic the, of Megas Two. Got to yes, the magic. I yes, I love that. Is like the I think that's the that's my the favorite episode of Star Trek of all time. 
It's so crazy. Isn't he just Satan? He's like, my name is Lucifer. Yeah. They f- First of all, they go to the center of the universe, which that's not something that exists. And yeah. then they go and they, they basically, then they get you know, like flushed down a, to- a space toilet, basically, and end up in a random realm. And it's Lucifer talking to them. Yeah. In like a pan form. He's like a, he's yeah. like a satyr. And he's like ripped. Yeah. And he's the good and guy. He's a good guy. Yeah, and the whole the whole thing is that like like oh yeah, the which is the greatest is that magic works. So like yeah, like they like magic is is, how, is like instead of using logic, like 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 Spock figures this out. You can't use logic, but you can use magic because that's what the rules are there. Right. So he's able to figure out like the magical quote unquote logic of that domain. Yeah. It's still yes. it's still a, a type of logic. It's just that the rules are not what we would I I agree with. I agree with that <laughs> with that conclusion as well. I love how many of the the villains especially but like all the other characters who are not part of the crew are voiced by James Doohan. He played so many of like the aliens and um and like the Klingons and stuff. Whenever you hear like that that higher register voice was like, Captain Kirk, we ah. have lowered your shields and are preparing to board. That's James Dewan doing not Scotty. That sounds a little bit like the, there's a, like an alien, an additional alien crew member, member they had on that show. Eric's. A little bit. I think he played <laughs> Eric's too. Yeah. And he was like uh. a species that they wouldn't be able to do with um, oh, yeah. the prosthetics of the 60s. Yeah. Be- yeah. Be- yeah. The, and, like, yeah, and you're never going to get him hanging out in the background, even though they could do something like that now. I have recently started listening to the incidental music from that show because it's so everything sounds so high stakes, like higher than the original series. They, they amped up the orchestral. It's like I don't know how to put it. It's like more 70s than it is 60s. Yeah. And it shows. Well, they only have they only got like 22 minutes right for each episode, so they really got to hit you with some yeah. intense music. And 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 yet the the pl- half the plots are like we have been without oxygen for three hours, our auxiliary <laughs> reserves almost depleted, and it's like a very long not long, but it's like a race against the clock within the episode. Yeah, yeah, that was a cool. I show. think. Yeah, sometimes I do feel like the original series is are are a little bit too long, and those are a nice little little bits of it. Yeah, more condensed. Did you ever know that there was a Star Trek, a Star Trek, a Stargate cartoon? N- no, I didn't. I never watched Stargate. That, that's one of my oh, girlfriends. Oh man, she's watched like all those. I know she's watched all the live action ones. I don't know if she's watched the cartoon. I love. Well, it didn't last very long, but I love the conceit of like Stargate SG One. Well, of all Stargate, really, because it's presented as if it could be happening right now, like right now. And we wouldn't know it because it's a secret government. Oh, yeah. Op. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I've, I've, I've watched like bits and pieces of brand new episodes. And I, I, I do like that. It's, and it's in uh, SG one, I think is in Colorado too. Is yes. It, you tell me. Yeah. There it is. Cheyenne, Great. Cheyenne mountain. Yeah. Which is cool. Which is cool. Whenever anything takes place in Colorado. Stargate is sci-fi South park. You are correct. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, I've, the the main episode I've watched of that show is the time loop episode. Yes. Like, I've watched random time loop episodes from TV shows, just because I think that that that's neat. 
Have you? Have you? That's the one where the guy's trying to save his wife, right? In the time loop. I, yeah, well, they go through the time loop. Most of it takes place at Stargate Command, and so O'Neill starts doing whatever he wants after a while, right? And then he starts yeah. to figure it out. Yeah. 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 I don't want to spoil it for anybody, so you can <laughs> mute little kills again. But I'm pretty sure that he figures out the time loop is coming from like this planet they had visited, and there's a there's like a Tolan guy there who's messing with some archaic time tech to try and save his dead wife or something, bring her back. Oh. He's like, he's like, please don't do that. It's causing a time loop. And he's like, okay. Oh, oh. I just remember them doing golf balls into the, in, they hit golf balls into the Stargate. Yes. <laughs> Which is. Yeah. In that episode. Yeah. Cause they're like, why are you doing that? And he's like, nothing matters or something. <laughs> yeah. Basically. It's like, oh, and, because and, nihilism. Yeah, and he like he skates or he literally skates around like the facility. Yeah, yeah, which is uh, the military installation is a great place to have a time loop person doing a, time loop stuff. <laughs> For sure, there's so much you can do with that conceit. There, there is an episode I love where um, there's a show within a show because there's like a leak yeah. that threatens it. Do you remember that wormhole extreme? Yeah, I'm, I think we watched that one too, just because of that's like just so bizarre of a thing. Yeah, one of those fun like throwaway doesn't contribute to the mythos episodes where they can just do yeah. whatever. Yeah, are they like pup? There's are they puppets too at some point? Yeah, they go through a couple different like iterations of what the show could be, and the show is just to be is to make it sound like so if anybody ever did leak the Stargate program, they would sound crazy. They're like, oh, you're talking about that TV show. Yeah, this is a great Which idea is, actually. Yeah. Yeah, which is, hmm. So what do, what do you think Area Fifty One is? You got you got a theory a theory on that? Uh, like, what do I actually think Area Fifty One seriously is? I don't. Yeah. I don't think. I don't think there's anything like mind blowingly earth shattering. There's probably some pretty surprising stuff in there, but yeah. I don't think it's like like. ET confirmation or like no. ET tech. I don't think they're down there, but it, it, it's definitely a place that has like national security secrets that we should, you know, not go into. Like you not just run approach. into. Yeah. Yeah. We're like it anime just, style. Yeah. Yeah. Tech. It just, could, it could be like a huge, like a whatever, just a bunch of plutonium or something like naturally that's there. And they're just like, <laughs> yeah, oh, we'll yeah. Just, but I don't think that's what it is, but I, I think it is. I think what they originally were doing was they had Nazi, some sort of Nazi technology that they were testing and not, oh, not crazy yeah. technology, like some sort of missile or something that's, you know, we, we've already developed by now, but like, and, and people got wind of it and they did try to cover it up at the time. And then they just, they kind of felt that it may be useful to have a, something that was a kind of conspiracy lightning rod. So they just leave it. Right. They're like, sure, aliens. It's not just some somewhat advanced Nazi technology that we're adapting for our own purposes and you're going to get see public use in 25 years anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if there are like, not, again, I'm not a conspiracy theorist or anything, but like if there are like just if there are facilities elsewhere that have like zero awareness in the public sphere and Area 51 is sort of to like distract from oh, yeah. that. Yeah, that's what I'm. Yeah, with the, that's what I'm kind of saying with the lightning rod sort of aspect. Like, it's to yeah. get people to whatever. Because I don't know. Have you ever listened to Coast to Coast AM? Uh, no. 
Coast Coast AM is uh, this, this radio show that's been on for like, oh my God, it's got to be like 30, 40 years. It's gone through like a host change already. First host actually died, um, Art Bell, recipes. But the show is called Coast to Coast AM, I believe, because at some point it's on in the AM hours across the United States because it's four hours long. And mm-hmm. so at some point you can listen to it after midnight wherever you are in the continental United States. I think that's why it's called that. But hmm. it deals with like paranormal and supernatural stuff uh, a lot. And when I was like in junior high, I would listen to it like religiously. Mm-hmm. I was all about that- it and I believed all of it. Whoa. I definitely, when I was a kid at the library, like, you know, the little, the little library that you have in your elementary school. And I was looking yes. through all of those like UFO books and, I sort of think about that when I think about the legitimacy of it, because it's like, to me at the time, those just, you know, you can like, you can imagine like the kid books, like they have a hard cover, right. And they have, mm-hmm. they're old and, and they have black and white pictures in this, of, of these, of this UFO stuff. But I don't know. Yeah. That, that feels the most legitimate resource I've ever looked into regarding those sorts of things. Yeah. I, I've know. seen my share of, of those like very well crafted books that to a child seem like absolutely oh. true. Oh yeah. How can uh, I put it in a book if it's not true? <laughs> I know. But yeah. I but you then you you realize anybody can put anything in a book. Yeah. You're telling me. Yeah? What <laughs> you got a book coming out? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm writing a book. It's about uh, my connection to Doug Funny growing mm. up. It's a memoir, not of Doug, but of me. But it's through the eyes of Doug. <laughs> that's weird. Archie. That's interesting. That's interesting because, of course, you know that Doug was a uh, a, a journalist or self journal diarist. Yes, it's it nests like a Russian nesting mm-hmm. doll. There's very there's more layers to it than we realize. Oh. You, they they could publish a Doug's Doug's journal, maybe. I would buy it. They have, I mean, they have like if you go to com, I'm sure you if you're at Comic Cons, they have like you know the the yeah. what do they have the Neverending Story book with the Orin on the front and all that stuff. They should have oh, Doug's yeah. book, Doug's journal. Should. I remember a couple of years ago at Comic Con out here in Phoenix, somebody tried to kill the Green Ranger. They tried to kill the Green Ranger. Yeah, they showed up with, like, actual weapons. They had, like, a gun, if I remember correctly. Oh. I went I, that year, mm. but I don't think I was there that at that time. Hmm. Now, I believe the Blue Ranger has said things about how the Green Ranger is a bully. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard that as well. Yeah. There's, I don't – yeah. yeah. So, so you still, still, you shouldn't – you shouldn't be violent towards people. Unless, yeah, no, absolutely. Unless, I mean, you know, they're they're trying to invade the Earth and they're coming from the moon and they might grow large. <laughs> yeah. A, a different year, uh, there was an outdoor improv show. I wasn't in it. I was watching it. Like, I knew the people who were in it and they were up on a raised platform. That's always tough, of course, too, hmm. like doing improv in a setting like that. Yeah. Where it's, like, outside and it's amplified. The only people in the audience were me wearing just, like, street clothing 
and somebody in full Wario get up. And so <laughs> they only had us to draw on. And like, can we get a suggestion? And the Wario guy was like, Mario. I'm like, great. This is what it's going to be like unless I say uh, something. Yeah. Uh, well, that's a good – it's funny that, yeah, like just an outfit makes – that that person so much more like in a way like more of a theatrical or fictional element or something just because he's just like wario <laughs> yeah hmm. like the most brash the most brash and like loud person at the improv show is the audience <laughs> member just like wario <laughs> hey yeah oh yeah i feel i feel <laughs> that can we get a non-Mario suggestion, please? <laughs> Luigi. <laughs> oh, hey, he's Luigi Mario, so technically That's his true. last name is Mario. I like That's the it. movie. The movie is, like, legitimately, like, an interesting thing to dissect, like, what's going on yes. here. I mean, you may know this, but apparently, the like, that kind of cyberpunk vibe to the dinosaur dimension is because mm-hmm. they had people who had worked on Blade Runner working on that movie. Yeah. That's what I, yeah, I thought, I thought it was something like that. Like they were making a, some kind of cyberpunk movie before or something. And <laughs> then it kind of comes out. Mario is like that too, somehow. Yeah. I don't know. It, it's, yeah. It's an it's a it's definitely like an early iteration of like those reboots that like only reboot like the spirit of the thing or like the, it's like the same shape as the thing it's rebooting. I'm trying to think yeah. of examples. Like the Power Rangers movie, right? Like it's the same conceit, but it's like way different energy. That's the are you talking about the new one? Yeah, the Cranston mm. one. I haven't seen that one. Oh, well, in that one, yeah. the suits are very, like, organic, very, very... They're very much alien. They don't look like they're Japanese. They just look like alien mm. tech that would fit a humanoid shape. And Zordon is not a guy in a tube. He's like a... Um, he's like the uh, technology on Krypton they use for the displays in Man of Steel. Like... Oh, uh, I'm not... I don't remember that from Man of Steel. It's like 3D. It's like that thing you put your hand on and the pegs on the other side have like a 3D projection of your hand. Those oh, toys yeah. Are, it's like that. Yeah. Isn't that sort of how the the deus ex machina in the Matrix 3 is also sort I, of has that technology? Ooh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think I've ever watched it all the way through, but I will now. I love Whoa. that technology. I, yeah. You've never watched Matrix 3 all the way through? It gets... The ending, I think, is pretty is pretty all right. I mean... The the parts that are fr- oh well okay there's parts that are frustrating in that but I, I just remember the, like oh sorry go ahead the immediate ending isn't I don't think the thing that's super annoying about that movie the only thing I remember about the third one is like an artificial intelligence but its voice is like purposely the most obnoxious sound imaginable it's like I'm like this is scary that's probably the thing I'm talking about. Oh uh, yeah, I need to. <laughs> that which reminds me. Speaking of like augmented voices, General Grievous, right? One of the coolest mm-hmm. voices. Just as Kantuku predicted. I was watching a video earlier today of like Matt Matthew Wood, the guy who he's like an uh he was like a Lucasfilm audio engineer who ended up playing General Grievous, and he's like so normal looking. 
and I didn't realize like how much of General Grievous is like the processing, which is obvious in retrospect. He like just starts talking with like because at the beginning of like the second thing they have him say in the video, a little bit of his normal voice comes through, and then like they flip a switch or something, and, like they remember to like turn on the Grievous filter, and yeah. it's like a hundred percent Grievous now. Hmm. I always pictured Grievous as being like like a big dude, but he's just like a little normal dude. Hmm. Well, you did it so good right there that it made, made me believe that it's probably possible for someone to do it with their voice. I need to find him unaugmented it, and see what it sounds like. Is it that different? I don't know. That's interesting. Like Darth Vader is just Caden Christensen's normal voice. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it, lots of people can do a Vader impression. Yes. They used the guy from Chad Vader um, as the official voice for a while. On, on like a cartoon? No, or... he was in the Force Unleashed. Oh. That was I didn't know that. Yeah. I think it's really weird when he says Padme in the Darth Vader voice. It's just like a word that doesn't seem right coming out of yeah. the, his mouth. Padme. Like, Padme. Yeah. So Padme. soft. <laughs> My favorite, my sec, I should say my second favorite. My second favorite tweet of all time is, um, I, I'm not going to look up the exact text. I don't have it saved. I, that's on me for not having it saved. But it's like Darth Vader looking at a, a security feed from like elsewhere and watching the heroes run around. And he sees Chewbacca come into frame and he says, ah, yes, Chewbacca. <laughs> it's like such a funny idea to me. I think we've talked about this before. Where it's like, yeah, he never acknowledges Chewie in the whole original <laughs> trilogy. <laughs> yeah. Ah, mm. uh, yes. Chewbacca. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, it's just a friend of a friend that kind of pisses you off or something. Or like an enemy of an enemy or whatever. Well, he's, he's like the, he's one of the two dudes who helped Yoda get Escape Order 66. He's like an important oh, yeah. guy. Well, Vader doesn't know that though, right? I think he could sense it. Ah. I feel like his Imperial intelligence by, I mean, they're talking what, 20 plus years later. I think yeah. they've pieced together a lot of this stuff, mm. especially since there was so much Republic um, presence on that. I don't know why I'm digging so deeply into this. I'm trying to justify. <laughs> I think yeah, knowing who Chewie is. I, I, I mean, certainly I feel like the, the empire must've known that, ye, that Yoda was on Kashyyyk. Yes. During that order. Oh, yeah. They probably knew that. Because the, the Wookiees probably weren't, wouldn't hide that, I feel like. Right. Right. It doesn't. No, what are the, well, well the, the Republic would have known because the Jedi, right until that moment, were the generals of the clone army. So his station was known. And th that's the whole point of Order 66 is we know exactly where almost all these guys are going to be at any given moment. Mm. It's so easy to kill them. And... Yeah, they definitely knew where Yoda was. Okay, so it's almost like th they would apprehend Chewbacca just because he was even... He would have intel on where yeah. Yoda would have gone. Or he might, yeah. Anyway, he'd be a lead. That sounds like a comic book that might have been made. Like, you know, yeah. and they're beating up Chewbacca or whatever. Well, Chewie, we can do this the easy way or the hard way. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be cool. <laughs> Very well. The hard way. <laughs> oh. And they snap his finger. He's probably so resistant to that like interrogation droid, that sphere that's like <laughs> coming into the room. Yeah.
he screams at it. <laughs> I hmm. he- heard that. I say this like it's a rumor, like this is all real, but none of it's real. It's all Star Wars. It's all made up. But like in the old legends, legends as in non-canon stuff now, um, mm. one of the explanations for the similarities between the Ewoks and the Wookiees is that the Ewoks and the Wookiees are the same species, but at some point in the ancient past, uh, they were, some of them were taken to Kashyyyk, and it was being actively terraformed. But then when that advanced civilization that did that fell apart, the terraforming technology ran wild because it wasn't being maintained anymore and it made everything giant from the Ewoks to the trees and everything. Hmm. 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 It's kind of cool. Huh. I would have, you know, you give it a, uh, like a million years. I would have just accepted that. That's just the explanation. You know, what happens faster is the Klingon forehead ridges change way faster. Oh, I was talking about that like a day or two ago. Was it yesterday? Yeah, but you, you know the the explanation behind that, right? Of course. The, well, yeah. the the Doyle explanation where the it's you know it's the makeup or what what's the behind the scenes the no like the in un, the in universe explanation um, like on were camera. They being, were they being tested somehow, or not tested? They were being experimented on. Yeah, yeah, kinda. Yeah, I would say yes to that. So, <laughs> basically. And this is interesting, because in Deep Space Nine, they had an episode where they had to go back in time to yeah. the original series. Yeah. And Worf is there, and he has to like pretend he's not a Klingon, kind of. He like dresses like a random dude. And they're in the bar, and she's like, the waitress is like, those Klingons over there. They're like, what Klingons? She's like, those Klingons. And they're like, those are Klingons? And Worf says, we don't talk about it. It's a long story. We don't talk about it with outsiders. And they try to take yeah. a guess at what it is. And Bashir says, was it some kind of viral mutation? And then in Enterprise, the series... They explained that the Klingons caught wind of what the humans were doing in the 1990s. <laughs> it was like all the supermen and the augments and stuff. And the Klingons were like, ooh, that would be good technology for our warrior race. And so they tried to make Klingon super soldiers, but the material they were working with was too like human-oriented. And it started to humanize huh. their biology. And for whatever – I can't remember the other part of it, but it became like this viral issue – where it was actually transmissible, and they knew that it was going to last several generations, and that a lot of the Klingons were just going to have human-like features for a while. Yeah. I was going to say, so you got to keep the the door closed in the on in the in the super high-tech laboratory. Yeah, because Klingons always forget to close the door. The whole civilization completely changes what they look like. They would be so pissed at human beings, I think. Oh, yeah, it was not a well-received thing at all. They, didn't, they hated humans. They were at war with yeah. them on and off for a long time. Yeah, they're a warrior race, so it's like, it's like a huge insult for their DNA to have kind of taken over you. Weak DNA, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there were other theories no. before that that people would try to make up. Like, maybe these are like... Klingon Janissaries taken from other species that are more human looking. And so they're Klingon affiliated, but they're not biologically Klingon, but Nope. Now we know it's a viral mutation. Yeah. Caused by con stuff. That's, this is like the same thing. Like what the buttons on Darth Vader's outfit do. <laughs> like it's just total nonsense at a certain point. I think it's a loop machine. It's a beat machine. He, He's just he's just not out on the street, so he's not gonna kind of do his. I, I associate that sort of thing with, with with busking. 
Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I would give Darth Vader money out of fear, first of all. Well, I, I don't mean, care if would you? He's probably already taxing you already. I mean, it's like some politician you fear is walking down the street who's already taxing you. You got to give him. I guess he's busking in the scenario. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And he's probably hmm. not going by Vader. He probably has like a a handle he uses. Yeah. DJ something. I'd love to see just something where Darth Vader is just trying to hide who he is, to, just in order to do something. Like different clothes, but he still has a helmet on. Yeah, yeah. Any, any, any reason to ha- have to hide who he is? That yeah. Because <laughs> he's, he's gonna. He's clearly. He's clearly Darth Vader. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. You the. What? Oh the the yeah the lab door. You def- it's open. It's ajar. In fact. Oh boy, yeah. I I cannot have another strike. Oh, I know the the union uh, has like they have not been agreeing with some, a lot of a lot of the laboratory decisions we've been making lately. I didn't want to say anything, but I'm kind of mm. not cool with the union anymore. Yeah, hey, you you know. You know, hey, I I know that you hold the esteem of the working man like very high, but when they tie the hands of scientific progress, I mean that's just frustrating. No, yeah, absolutely. Plus, you have to pay dues. Why am I paying dues to an organization I don't even want anything to do with? That wasn't ah. supposed to sound the same. Hmm. I wasn't making a joke. I'm just saying. Oh, oh, uh, I. I say, you know, it's a little bit of the the dew on the on the on the sunflower in the morning, is is what what really drives me crazy about the unions. Let's close the door real quick. We've been yapping uh, for a while. Yeah, yeah. They got they got those people kind of listening for listening for leaks and. And yeah, bad mouthing them. I don't want any looky loos walking yeah. by. It's 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 bad enough that these you know parakeets that we're genetically modifying here are you know they basically record everything we say with their normal parakeet abilities. <laughs> they creep me out for being honest. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, uh, the 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 lizard. The the Tyrannosaurus DNA we've added to them is that's gonna. I mean, it's just sinister. It is sinister. Is it ethical? Eh. On a scale of one to ten, where one is like depraved and ten is like uh, apple pie, which I guess is you mm. know eth- uh-huh. ethical neutral type of thing. It's like a yeah. four. It's closer to depraved. Hmm. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I feel like that whole that whole scale. Since how depraved you can be is almost like, hey, there, there's no limit to the imagination there. You know, it's. I feel like it's like a like a, you know, a logarithmic asymptotic scale that being a four is pretty good. You know, it's like it's like the the earthquake scale, the Richter scale. The Richter scale, yeah. Yeah. 
You know what? You know what I would do to indicate like extreme depravity? I wouldn't mm. even take it down to one or zero. I would keep the scale the same and start mm-hmm. going neg- negative to really send the point across. I, I see you kind of messing around with those, uh, with that tubing and and metal pieces, and you're 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 already halfway to having constructed the the depraved depraved omometer. Well, I mean, it's just look. Don't let the union know about this either. But this is okay. a little side thing I've been working on. It's got okay. an Arduino I'll, right here. Oh, and you yeah. already saw the rest of it. Yeah. Hey, I'll close the windows over here so they they can't hear us oh through God. that through that I as well. Forget the windows too. <laughs> hey. You know, you know the 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 eavesdropping and the and the 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 you know the 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 leftist sort of company men are they might hear us, but the the breeze through the the lab with all these tyranno tyrannocetes, you know, around. I mean, I I feel like it needs to be done because it alleviates some of the smell. That one keeps looking at me. That one in particular. Hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, you know what? You could uh you could test if you, you should test that uh that 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 the depravedometer on me because I'm definitely thinking about perhaps offing that tyrannocete. All right, let me plug it in here. It uses hmm. USB C. Oh it does. Oh look at that. Right, right up to spec. Here we go. Oh. Uh, yeah. Oh. Okay, I'm imagining killing it, killing that tyrannocete. I need its flesh. Oh, I'd rub its, I'd rub its flesh juices around my, my naked torso just in celebration Dude. of having defeated an enemy. Oh, what? You were already awesome. at negative five. I didn't think we'd have to go lower oh, than no. that. So I didn't calibrate this thing for numbers lower than negative five. That's oh, really God. depraved. Yeah. Uh, hey, I feel like I feel like we kind of just just kind of being depraved, like just kind of going for it for a second there was really just kind of tapping into something I didn't I didn't really know about myself. I'm going to delete the history on this thing so that nobody has oh. to know. It's only one entry. It's you. Oh. You're 100% okay. of it. Oh, I see. I see how you're deleting you're deleting that entry off by just kind of hosing hosing that applicator tip down. Yep. It has to be done manually. Mm. Yeah. Oh. That 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 tyrannocete is it's really like it looks like it's holding a tape recorder. That's not possible. Yeah, that with those little arms. That with those little arms. Hmm. Gotta get the thing away from that bird. Okay. Well, oh, I I see you're 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 already constructing one of those like arm lengtheners that they had that they've had like since the 80s where you kind of <laughs> you kind of grab them and they you know they're like a little claw thing yeah i saw one at the country store before you go inside to the restaurant part of cracker barrel so i i memorized the design and i built it here. ah very 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 astute 
Yeah, you notice the, they sell those things and they're sort of like hand shaped now. And originally they were like 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 claw things. I like the older kind of design with the cl- the one you're making. Is that that's the design yeah. I like? Me too. The, well, you're talking about is the influence of James Cameron. Oh, that's the term. That's a Terminator arm. Looking thing. Uh. Yes, that's exactly what it's based on. They can't say that, though. I'm going to try and get this tape recorder out of this. T-Rex, it keeps the cause. Okay, I will think normal, normal, everyday, regular thoughts as you're doing that. I think you should be doing this because you're the more depraved one, but. Oh, okay. I'll do it. I'll do it. I, I really feel like I need to just go for that Tyrannikeet's neck with the claw. That's what I would not, do with it. I'm not, I'm not measuring anything right now. You, you don't have to share all this, your innermost oh. gravity. I don't know. I, need, I, I feel like I just need to kind of vent it now. I mean, we, it's real stuffy in here. We have no vents. We only yeah, have air. Well, okay, I'll just crack, a, I'll crack open a window real quick. Okay. Uh, oh. <laughs> it flew out. It flew out oh. right away. No. Oh. Oh, it just flew back in and grabbed the tape recorder and then also flew back out again. No, why didn't I close the window when that was yeah. happening? I, I, I don't know. It might have not been clear that it was happening based on just the sound. It's just taunting us now. Oh, come on. Oh, all right. Well, we better hop in the, uh, the laboratory buggy. <laughs> just go try to try to capture this Tyrannokite. All right, I'll get the keys off of the hook. Okay. Clink. Oh, there you go. Oh, almost. Ah, all right. Gonna go ahead and make sure we're all lathered up in sunblock here. I'm just gonna wear this big hat. Yeah, okay. I can't I, take my hands off the steering wheel no. to apply lotion anyway. Yeah. That's that's okay. I mean, I did I did have my shirt off after I was rubbing all of that uh oh, while I was thinking about just rubbing all of that tyrannicite meat juice all over my body, so I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry about that. The depravimeter would have exploded right now. Yeah. If I had been measuring. Yeah. But luckily we kept it with us in case the buggy has plenty of room in the back here for for such for such tools we might need. Yikes! When I mm. created the depravometer, I didn't realize how much depravity there was out there to be measured. Yeah, yeah, it's it's almost like, yeah, it's almost just like the people who dis- discover the the background radi- microwave radiation in the entire universe. You know, it's just if you try to measure it, it just ends up being everywhere. They should try applying the depravimeter to the background radiation of the universe. It would explain yeah. a lot if it was I, there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The the hundred percent what whatever created the 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 creation of the universe is caused by some sort of just disgusting and depraved act of of cruelty and yeah I I buy that immediately. Wow, what I would give to go back to the singularity. <laughs> oh my God, there it is. Oh, oh man. Hit the hit the uh, the windshield wipers. <laughs> there, there. Okay, well, what if it's 
little tiny T-Rex arms got caught in the wipers. Oh, I'll get the claw. <laughs> I brought it with us. All right. I'm going to I'm going to play the tape and see what this Tyrannikeet thinks it has it has on us. Just, uh... All right, and now I'll uh, I'll just play the the tape uh, that ought to be a recording of us from earlier, just to see what what's been going on. Play. Hey, oh, you made it in! You made it in so early, early today. Yeah, I woke up early to swing by the hardware store and get some stuff for a little side project I'm working on. I figured if oh. I'm already awake, I'm just going to come in. Oh, okay. You do have a lot of I just I just noticed you, like a lot of a uh, hardware store like kind of detritus kind of all over the floor here. It would be nice if that could be picked up easily at some point later. Oh, oh. Just you wait. I've got something for that. Oh, you do? Oh. Yes. You wait, I just just a little tiny question. You actually have it, the, that little something right now, or do you just have plans for that? I have the components for what we need uh, for that. Okay. Then so I'm, just I'm not, wait for that huh? when I put yeah. it together. Okay. I'm not going to worry about it right now, but I will just, I will, I, I'll just, you know, <laughs> put, put that kind of concern about all the things all over the ground on hold for now. <sighs> Sorry if uh, sorry if I'm not in the best of moods today. I just got a oh. letter from the union. Oh no! I you know what they 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 must really piss you off because you have a lot of esteem for the the working man, and yet I do. They're yeah, I know. I would never I would never de de deny that and always consistently back up that fact regarding you. Yeah, if if there's another opportunity to back up my esteem for the working man later today, go right ahead. Yeah. All right. You got it. So, uh the the union uh they never they never send you nice letters. That's never true. No. No. And now now I really feel like they're coming after me. They called me by my first name last name like they're my parent or something. Oh no. Like yeah, like hey, get down. <laughs> like yeah, get down here. We're going yeah. to have a serious talk. family meeting, everyone. And the family is like the, 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 the mafia, but it's a, like a union mafia because they have the, they, they're, they're involved with organized crime. That's yep. 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 I'm going to say that real loud. The union mm -hmm. is a mafia and they are involved mm -hmm. in organized crime. I don't care who That's is right. That's right. That's right. I am in, I am in full agreement of that analysis. Despite, and, and, I, and, I, and I'm impressed that you came to that realization because it must have been it must be based on a lot of uh, like just interaction and hard truth with you because I know that deep down to the core the the values you've kind of taken into yourself is that the working man is something you have a lot of esteem for. Yes. Thank you. And if the opportunity comes up even later today to point that out, I mean, yeah, you go right ahead. Yeah, I don't feel like that's going to be the last time I'm going to point that out. That's how I feel about the union. Or mm -hmm. my name isn't Dr. Clancy Nelson. Clancy Nelson. That's right, Clancy. I, I like how you pointed that out. I wish I had some sort of thing like a Terminator arm that could point things. Hey, but anyway, listen, 
Well, what does the letter say? What's up? What's going the on letter there? Doctor Clancy Brown. Oh, since you you know what it sends just like a. I mean, Doctor Clancy Nelson. Yeah. Not oh, man. That's an actor. I was watching Earth 2 last mm. night. That guy you know was in it, and he's the best. Yeah. They messed... Oh, yeah. That guy's also in that... Uh, he, that's the guy who's in um, that that robot game. Robot video game, right? Am I thinking of the robot right guy? Uh, SpongeBob. He's Mr. Krabs. Mm. He's anyway. the Kurgan in Highlander. Ugh. It's too bad we're he, doing a lot of biological we're doing a lot of biological experiments here so we don't have a lot of use for the internet to look these sorts of things up that we might need to know oh i know but i will also say he was in starship troopers he played sergeant zim yeah i'm thinking of the same guy he's in he's in he's in he's in the robot video game i'm thinking of (laughs) i don't have time for robot video games between work and all my side projects and the union riding me like this Mm -hmm. well hey yeah that's I, I agree. And all the, the buggy maintenance, too, is uh, that thing's been falling apart recently. <sighs> so, I just know that thing is going to fail when we need it most. Yeah, I yeah, I, I, I it's it's over there. I think it, I, you know, what I think about that buggy. It has some sort of depraved desire to fail on us. You know, <laughs> I have a way to figure that out. Just you wait. What? All right. I'll show. I'll shelve that very interesting thing that you're suggesting because because we have business right here, which is that after the union wrote "Dear Clancy Brown," put white out on the but they put yeah. white out on the brown and they put Nelson over it in an in an obvious sort of message yes. to you that they that they're that they care more about Clancy Brown than you. But anyway, that's that's, that's just the opening. Yeah, and then after that, it gets real cryptic. They said, no. "This is, this is your last warning," oh. and it gets there's real a little a, like a cryptid, yes. like like a parakeet combined with a tyrannos tyrannosaur DNA. Yes. Okay, yes. exactly. <laughs> I just wanted and to make sure a little, I was following a <laughs> little diagram of a door, and the door yeah. is just ajar, just a little bit. Hmm, that's really. That's really strange. I, I I can't confirm it right now because I'd have to turn around entirely and look behind me. But I I'm going to go ahead and assume that our door is closed right now. Oh, I hope so. Yeah. I'm not gonna look either, honestly. Not right now. All right, now I'm too worked up. Yeah, I know. Letters are just kind of like, kind of hard to deal with anyway because they're they're like always emotional because like wow they, they brought pen and ink to this and they i mean i guess they couldn't email us with our lack of internet in this particular laboratory well this is scary because it's my last warning but they sent it in a slow way so if i mm. were to have already done something to violate yeah. that being my last warning i wouldn't even mm. know it yeah well i can say that just based on my analysis and Trust me, my analysis is completely subjective here and probably tainted by, you know, my own personal beliefs and background. But in my analysis, you have done nothing depraved or anything in that regard whatsoever. I've done my own analysis. Just trust me on that. And you're right. Yeah. 
Okay. Then I don't think we have that much to worry about. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn around here and take a look at the door. And I'm just going to announce my findings regarding the door um, openly to, to everyone present. Click. Oh, my goodness. He's, he's got evidence that we're... Uh, He's got evidence about us thinking that the mafia is involved with the with the union. Yeah, but we have the tape. Yeah. Well, that's true, but there's also and I'm and I'm glad we kind of uh <laughs> that we, we, we went down into this uh into this bunker that happened to be here on the compound and we've tied up the, the parakeet to a to a little chair. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To, to suss this out so we have the tape here but uh you know what we got to do we got to make this so it, that this parakeet does not talk i'm with you i'm mm-hmm. with you even uh, yeah. even if it means that i have to be depraved too sometimes yeah. you have to be depraved to not be yeah right mm. yeah i i agree with that logic it's like uh sometimes Sometimes when you're inventing science stuff, you got to let your imagination run wild and whatnot, and then that's when you kind of settle on the actual factual truth. Right. Amen to that, brother. Mm-hmm. We left the door open. Oh, we left oh, the no. door. Oh, open. I I'm so sorry. I was really I was really concerned about the window, so that's what I was securing down here in the bunk. I was securing the bunker window. I was concerned about the windows too. Neither of us looked at the door. Oh, oh why did that? Oh. I really, I really feel like if this bunker had been built without a window, we would have been more focused on the door. This is not a good bunker by any no. measure. Too many ways in and out. Yeah. And okay. a tape recorder's missing. Yeah. Oh no. I was just gonna say one of the things that I did like about this bunker was that the, the the you know, the amount of chairs and rope with which to tie like a kidnapped victim up is I mean, th- they have enough of that. There's pl- there's plenty. Yes, every <laughs> Cold War bunker has a closet just for that. For that kind yeah. of supplies. I mean this one it, yeah, it's not it's it's like almost like a you know, um, which, wait, the witch in the wardrobe cupboard? What am I, the <laughs> Narnia, it's like Narnia in that, in that closet. I'm telling you, I went in there to get, some, to get some rope and the chair. And man, I was in there having adventures that I basically forgot all of my literary references. That's how long I was in there. We cut to... Uh, his uh, Narnia adventure that he's forgotten. Oh. oh, all right, King Salamander. I know that you have that you have been dominating this kingdom for eons, and the the oppression of these woodland creatures cannot stand. <laughs> That's what you think, Dry Skin. No. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. You have the the. The the, the 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 magical shield of of countering the magical sword. That's Where did you? Right. Oh, you you used it against uh against the 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 rightful king two eons ago. Yes, and to a salamander like me, that's the blink of an eye. Salamanders don't even operate on the same plane as human mm. children. Yeah, 
Hey, yeah, it's like it's like your life uh, kind of takes place all within some sort of compartmentalized location room or something where there vast amounts of things can happen. Where, yeah, yeah, I I know what you're saying. Your your rationalization of the time dilation that happens here is yeah. drying my skin out. Gods, yeah. take him to the dungeon. No. Ah, there you've you've messed up there, Salamander, because your guards don't have the only shield that stops my sword. <laughs> oh no. You're slicing through my pigmen like actual mm-hmm. ham. That's They're right. falling apart into meat slicing. That's right. The woodland creatures are going to go to the deli tonight. That's for sure. Ugh. No one has ever uttered an action movie one-liner in Narnia before. That's And it yeah. actually hurts me. Yeah. Hey, instead of salamander, you're going to be a sayonara-mander chief. Oh. Oh, no, it's pushing me back physically. I've never experienced anything like this Mm -hmm. in Narnia. Mm -hmm. Oh, and by the way, kids, all of this somehow is some sort of allegory for the Christian religion. So do that. Do follow that, too. No. Oh, wait, I thought that was a one-liner. It was just good commentary. Ah! And the Salamander King falls, like, over, like, a cliff face and starts, like, down, like, Falling down, down, down. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was gruesome. Oh, I got oh. this. Nope. The oh. shield kept me alive. Oh. oh, I was about to say, I thought it was, I thought it was going to be pretty bad for you down there. It, sound, it sounded really bad, and it was kind of actually tingling my <laughs> depravity organs. You win this round, human child. Oh. I assume all people from Earth are a child. Mm-hmm. Well, that, hey, hey, one thing I'm not upset about is that is you calling me that because I just figure, you know, since I, uh, you know, don't live as long as you and you live for all those eons and so forth that like I must be a child to you. That makes I, sense. Yeah, I didn't assume it was any kind of commentary on my naive, naivete or or any of my childish nature or anything like that. Oh, your good commentary pushed me even further out. I'm oh. rolling towards the sea. Oh. Oh, wow. I, the acoustics um, in Narnia are really good. I can hear you pretty great up here in the, on the tall, tall tower on top of the tall, tall mountain. Good, goodest sir, what have you done? What have you well, done to the Salamander King? Oh, oh my goodness. Uh, a little... Child, childlike <laughs> legionnaire of the Salamander King. Hey, listen, little child. Um, I had to destroy him. He was he was being cruel to the woodland creatures. But he was the best thing that ever happened to our oh, no. kingdom. Oh, did he? Was he? He was he kind of looking out for like the little guy and making sure that. You know, yes. that t- tyranny wouldn't reign. Oh, he was kind of no, shielding you yes, from the outside world. Yes, the woodland creatures are basically bandits, and you've given them free oh. reign. Oh, I see. Oh, they're kind of they're kind of like, you, you're just kind of trying to live and, and make a living and get through your life, and, and the woodland yes. creatures are... 
they're kind of just coming in and they're kind of just living for for free kind of like they're they're kind of doing what you should be doing they're kind of like strike breaking yes oh and now we they're, have no guidance they're scabs huh oh no i feel yes. i feel <laughs> yeah just to put just to, just to really really hammer it home there oh man well Listen, listen, if there's if there's anything that I can chop in half with my sword of that can chop through anything like I'll I'll I can do that. Can you chop the woodland creature's solidarity oh. in half? Oh, man. Well, you know, you know, I really just went on an epic quest in order to, like, help out the woodland creatures. And I, I feel like I was marginally successful i at least banished the the evil salamander but but you want you want me to turn around right now and immediately start fighting against the cause i was just fighting that's what i was hoping for okay oh i mean i did want to at least sit down on the throne for just a second just to catch my wind but all right i'll i'll turn i mean i have to go back that way anyway right that's where i came from Yes. In directions are different in Narnia. It would be too hard yeah. for me to explain. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I mean, obviously, because if time is different, I mean, it only stands to reason that directions are different because space would be different. Oh, your insightful yeah. commentary is pushing me back. Yeah. Hey, hey, look, when, when, when I say those sorts of things, it's, you know, the things I say, they're not naive, they're not childish. I think a lot, a lot of people expect that from me, but I, you know, I just, I say what I'm thinking. I, it's something about speaking logically instead of magically. It put, it repels ah. us. Oh, oh, yeah, I, I did. You know what? I should, you know, kind of put that together and use that to my advantage from now on because I've oh. just kind of been saying logical things just to say them. What have I done? Have I given you the keys to the kingdom? I mean, I wouldn't feel bad about that. I was literally about to sit on the throne with my sword. Well, I, this, I certainly can't stop you now. Hey, yeah, I mean, I'm going to go do what you said. I was going to go kill those. I, I, I was going to go kill the woodland creatures for you. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, you're welcome for, for showing me not necessarily the errors of my ways, just like a different option that maybe I shouldn't just listen to whatever sort of creature I encounter first whenever I'm on an imag imaginary journey. And while he was saying that, he was like tasseling the the hair of the salamander boy because he's a salamander boy though it's like very sticky and gross yeah uh. yeah i ah. wouldn't have done that if i were you oh now there's this oh, there's sticky and gross goo on my hand oh oh hey and i'm right here hey oh hey uh, i call it like it is i'm sorry i'm, <laughs> I'm not gonna beat around the bush i'm gonna give it to you straight I feel bad for you not being constantly covered in mucus. Hey, well, oh, you know, okay. I look. I feel bad, okay, Salamander. I, 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 like Salamander, little boy. I like. I mean, I, 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 you know, I foolishly destroyed your king without really thinking about the entire societal repercussions there, and and now I've insulted you personally. 
It's okay. I'm used to it. Okay. Well, here, um, I do have... I do have my like kind of woodland creature sidekick. He's coming up the steps right now. I could, I'll just chop yeah. off his head once he gets up here to try to make you feel better. Oh, I'm afraid of what's going to happen shortly. Hey, hey listen, that's that's okay. What what you should really focus on is, isn't your fear. You should. You know, it's going to be really. You should sort of try to enjoy it. You know, in some sort of way, like the violence inflicted onto someone else is kind of like, you know, enjoyable for you, for you because you're going to benefit from it. Oh, is, oh, you're talking about, is it schadenfreude? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. If you, that's one of the words for it. Some other human children came through here and they were teaching us all kinds of new words. Oh, I hope I hope they they were words that were appropriate for a young salamander salamander boy and wouldn't have to be edited out in, if, if there was ever a TV version of this no, created. Of course not. They said Schadenfreude, and they said, and they said, whoa, and they oh, said, whoa, oh my goodness, whoa, just the. Hey, whoa, just the the relishing nature with which you said that is just man, that was that was just the most horrible thing I've ever heard. The way I said what? That one? <laughs> oh man, it was even worse that second time when it sort of went up in register as if it was a question. So these aren't normal human child words from the earth? No, no, they're they're sort of like I'll put it in terms you can understand, Salamander Boy from Narnia. They're sort of like magical words that you say about things that are really gross and disgusting and a lot of times sticky. Okay, so if the Ice Witch appears, I should say, Ooh. "Whoa, whoa!" You know what? Your your mouth is just. I gotta put a little distance between you and me because your mouth is just. It's it, what you're saying is just really, really perverse. I'm just saying. Oh, oh. hey, listen. Okay, I got. I'm gonna start making my way back to the woodland creature. This just because you're just foul mouth is. Just, I just can't. I can't stay here and stand this at all. We cut to um, the. We cut to HBO Max offices where they're discussing how to how to how to clean up narnia for mm. the streaming service yeah so uh so we've looked at we've looked at the edit and uh it's it's nearly like at least after the climax the big sword fight like there's so much edited out that the the plot becomes entirely incomprehensible i think we did the right thing I think that stuff that happened after the sword fight uh, should never be heard or seen by humans. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I agree. I was like, as 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 I was watching it, and uh, and even with the the kind of the editing, the 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 the, the, the edited audio version, I still I w I was eating and I couldn't I couldn't finish my lunch as I was watching it. Well, I'm sorry if. Uh... The, the the authenticity was too much for you, but this is actually straight from the books. This is exactly what C.S. Lewis wrote. Hmm. Oh, my so God. The, 
We've got, we're working, we're fighting uphill here. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. C.S. Lewis. I, I should, I, we should have known that such a person who is just really, you know, really pushing the Christian allegory just had, had kind of a dark side to him. Well, he had a strong message. He didn't want to pull any punches. He wanted people to realize that the kingdom of heaven is a very serious grown-up thing. Yeah, I know. It's too. It's, you wouldn't yeah. believe what the C and the S stand for. I won't oh, even no. say it. Okay, good. Just if, if yeah, I feel like if that the C and that S ever fell on human ears, that it could be potentially used as a weapon against anybody. I feel like it would be horrible. Yes, we can't let that leave no. this room. No. Okay. Uh, oh, oh no. The, the, that parakeet is over there. <laughs> what is that? Of, a tape recorder? I assumed he was one of the new, uh, one of the new content leads for the network. I, I... <laughs> yeah, they all have those uh, spiky youth haircuts. He blended yeah. right in. Right. That, 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 and this, and this, it doesn't even look like a, like a, like a parakeet because it does have those real those spikes, much like a, a some sort of terrible lizard. Whoa! Oh, he's flew right out, out the window. Oh, I. Well, you're right. He's I, also taunting us out the window. Yeah, I really wish you know the new interns and everybody would would use the doors instead of the windows. <laughs> And scene. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh. that was great. That's that fun. Was, that was science and magical. Yes, science fantasy. <laughs> um, which reminds oh, me, yeah. you just real quick before I forget, you know that song, "Shut Up and Dance with Me." No, I'm talking about. You've never heard that song. Shut, Shut up, up and, dance, and with dance with me. You no. have to have heard of that song. Oh man, it's a song, and it was pop. It came out in, like the middle of the last decade, I want to say. But I want to rewrite it to be about someone having an argument over the genre of Star Wars. So the chorus is "It's science fantasy." <laughs> Instead of "Shut up and dance." That's all I had to say about that. Yeah, science fantasy sounds is is totally valid. I mean, that makes Doctor Who makes that fits in there. It's what it yes. is. John Carter, the sword, mm-hmm. uh, sword and planet genre. Yeah, all that. Wait, all that is a sketch yeah. comedy show. Sorry, all I mean. that the '90s sketch. <laughs> it had it had science fantasy elements like uh, the giant ear of corn. Yeah. Or the chair that kind of drives around and wait, that's not all that. I'm thinking of Roundhouse. Sorry. Ah, uh, sorry. I was I was Roundhouse generation. Uh Chris. At the end of this time, I ask you about. Do you have any? It's like plugs and stuff. Do you have any art stuff? Anything you wanna talk about? Uh, not really. <laughs> Not really. Nothing. There's no like shows or anything coming up besides like this the Ooze Bear stuff I'm joining into. Although, wait, yes. Thank you for letting me meander and remember. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I'm going to start doing a horror jam very soon. It's already been picked up by other people, though, so they're starting to do the jams already after I announced it. So that'll be happening on Fridays on Newsbear. Um, I haven't announced when exactly, like time of day or what date it'll start, but it'll happen in the near future in the lead up to Halloween, and it'll probably end. Oh, whatever is the Friday before Halloween. Are you still doing the uh, the public domain jam? That's over. The first season ended uh, two oh. weeks ago. Oh. Yeah, we, What's the, we you're just with the Great Gatsby. Hmm. Are you just trying to change up the uh, the style just to be doing different stuff at that time? Yeah, I didn't want to get burnt out on books. <laughs> yeah, they they can they they weigh you down. They can be. Yeah. <laughs> There's they can be a, Yeah. They can be all a, the books uh, they were coffee table books too. Hmm. Uh, and then. I ask, do you, is anyone a good improviser or do you want to talk about someone else who you really enjoy improvising with? Yeah, a lot of people are really good improvisers. I do want to give kudos to a particular ooze bearer, though, since it seems like usually people, people always mention somebody from ooze bear, right? Has anybody ever actually been like, yeah, Ryan style? <laughs> <laughs> no one's done, I mean, people I know from Denver have said other people from Denver. Oh, how dare they? Yeah. The no. Uh, yeah, no. Go ahead. I'm thinking about that question. I, I'm still thinking about that question, and I don't think that has happened. Maybe it has. Um, but the guy I wanted to give a shout out to is, is Ty. Ty makes like such big choices that like are yeah. on a different level than basically any of us. Nobody makes choices like Ty. Like he'll just right from the top. He's like. Boom! There's mm-hmm. this very strong thing, and I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. He's got an idea of what of of of, of something like I don't I don't want to say funny. That's what I was gonna say. But he, he, there's a whole there's a whole thing that needs to be unpacked when he starts. Yeah, I like it when like a like 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 a player who's like just inherently lower energy like on the overall spectrum of like the energy of all the players in the jam like responds to him and it's like these these like very contrasting um characters i love that i love it when it falls together like that yeah he he does he's he's great he's gonna be on this in two weeks oh heck yeah yeah i'm warming it up for you yeah i'm warming up the chair Hmm. <laughs> how how delicious. <laughs> <sighs> All right. And and then we're gonna finish it off here. Have you listened to one of these, the storm off sign off? I have, but like I just realized I felt I, I think we I don't not gonna say we skipped something, but we talked about like pop culture and sci fi so much at the beginning that we didn't yeah. really talk about improvisation. And I thought that improvisation was like a segment, practically. Oh, did you want to talk about that? Do you feel yeah, like Yeah, we could. It? Oh, okay. Yeah, I was, like, my... I was like, does it come at the beginning or does it come at the end? Like, I couldn't remember. I was, I was enjoying too much the conversation we were having um, to yeah. kind of seg into that. But, okay, the... Uh, oh, my main question is, what are you doing? What are you doing in improv scenes? What is your kind of thoughts and your... What are you thinking about? Every time that I go into a sh- like a performance, 
it's more so, I think, when I was able to do in-person performance. And if you're listening from the future, you'll know that this period of history is a time when those are not happening, abundantly anyway. Um, I always feel like I've actually forgotten everything I've ever learned. And I'm like, what is this? What <laughs> is improv? Um, so it's almost a little bit easier to dissect like, like, like Uzbear stuff that I've done, but to directly answer that question and say, what am I thinking about besides, oh, I've forgotten everything I've ever learned is like, what are the, what are not the footholds, but like, you know how Velcro is like loops and hooks? Yeah. It's like, what are the sticky things that my partner or partners are saying that we can like connect mm. on build on. Yeah. What are the little shiny, like, you know, you play, you, you play a, a video game and depending on the genre, there might be stuff you have to collect or interact with to solve a puzzle. Which part of the environment is shiny because I'm supposed to interact. Uh, with I like that analogy. Or, yeah. Or, or that's like in an old cartoon or it's an old cartoon where the something is in the background looks different. So, you know, the cartoon character is going to interact with it. Yeah. Like, oh, that cliff is going to fall down into the ocean. Yeah. It's Johnny Quest yeah. episode. Yeah. It is a sort of little bit of like, I always, yeah. Like I think things, especially later on in the scenes, they have to be sort of informed by what already happened or else it doesn't make sense like later in the scenes for anything to be happening. Yes. Absolutely. And so I guess that I guess that's sort of my approach is I'm like this Velcro glove wearing person climbing this like Velcro. I'm just I'm departing way more from the original intent of what I was saying, but I think you understand. Like what yes. can I latch on to? Yeah. Like you're on a game show and you're being you're you're in a Velcro suit and you're getting launched out of wall. Yes. The the yes. forgetting everything is interesting like that feeling. Because it is like all of a sudden it's like, like a lot of times it's like, I have no, like what, like what even am I doing? Like there's no, there's, there, there's only, there's only forward in this scene at this point. Cause that's where my mind is as opposed to being like, you know, base, basing it on any kind of formula or whatever. Yeah. Although, I mean, if you, if you've studied for a while and you've performed for a long time, those things are there for you. Like you draw on them, whether you consciously realize it or not. Like I think that I do, but I always yeah. feel at the beginning. I'm like, it's day one again. Oh no, let's go. Who cares? I know that's like anything. You have so many, you have so many options that it's like, well, you just kind of cycle through yeah. them. Yeah. It's, it's improv is different in, in how open it is because you're right. That's kind of the whole conceit of it, right? Is that it's literally anything you can think of. Yeah. And people talk about like getting into a flow state when they're doing something that they're good at, but that is also something of a challenge. It can't be totally easy. Right. But you get into that mode where you just can like go at it and go at it forever. I don't know if I can do that with improvisation because it, it asks too much. Like I can't imagine I've, I've done shows where I got like absorbed in it and I got lost in it for sure. But I don't know if I would call it the same as like being in a flow state. I wonder if that's something that hmm. they probably do. That's, I don't, I don't, Hmm. I think I feel like 
like, yeah, the thing is when you're like, I'm, yeah, I don't know. Cause I, I kind of get, it's, I, it sort of feels like, I feel like there's more flow to it. And I'm sort of like, like right on board with everything and I get what's, yeah. what's happening and whatnot. But I, I think yeah. also there is a little bit of like, I don't know, chop. This is, this is almost talking so abstract. It doesn't make any sense, but there's like, like a choppiness to it or like a, you have to be like, like there's like an amount of awareness that it's like, you can't rest on that either. Yes, yes hmm. exactly. Yeah. Part, it feels like you're like, it's like a, it's like a cartoon where we're going to reference cartoons a lot. <laughs> it's like a cartoon where you are like hmm. building, building something that you have to walk on that can't support itself, like a bridge across like a Canyon. And in a cartoon, yeah. you could take like a, a board and walk out onto it and take another board and walk out onto it and take the board from behind you and put it in front of you now, so on and so forth until you get to the other side. Right. As long as you're like a yeah. like, good guy cartoon that the audience is rooting for. And then yeah. Wiley Coyote would just like fall immediately. But it's like yeah. that, like I can't imagine getting into a flow state trying to do something like that. Because hmm. it's a cartoon, first of all. But like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to be like everybody who's in. Oh, I have heard. I ha, okay. Now I know why I'm saying this. I've heard um, an analogy. Um, it's it, that it's like trying to um, uh, build an airplane while it's already in the air. Improvisation. Yeah. That yeah. that analogy has definitely been thrown around. Like it's trying, trying to build an airplane, but you're all, the components are all around you, and you're already in the air falling. Yeah. Is, Imagine getting is your that a, state doing that. Ah, uh, you, you, yeah. What's interesting about that is that it's almost like you have to, like a flow state is almost implying like you're, you're not on your toes almost because you're like, yeah. you know, you're, you're, you're going downstream. You're, you're doing the right flow, flow state feels like very, I mean, improv is physical, but it feels like physical, like you're going through the, those motions with uh, yes. reflex, reflex, right? And yes. I don't know, are things you do in improv reflex, they sort of, I mean, sort of you want to tap into your genuine like kind of reactions and stuff. Yes. I definitely feel reflexes happening often during scenes. Yeah. I react to something. Is that the same thing as a flow, like working on reflex isn't the same as flow state? I wouldn't say they're the same. It's pretty narrow definition. It has to do with like the level of difficulty. It's like a specific balance of things, like the level of difficulty, the level of expertise, mm -hmm. et cetera. Maybe those are the only two, when, but I will still say et cetera. It's when I'm, it's when I'm, my, I'm, I'm coding the new super virus and I'm drinking, drinking tons of Mountain Dew and yes. <laughs> just firing yeah. off lines of code on my keyboard. Yeah. Code. Playing Tetris, I feel like those are things that lend themselves. Oh, to like Tetris! Tetris is a hundred percent like a, you know, it, it's 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 like it's like music and that it gets stuck in your head. Like you yes. you you lie you lie down and Tetris is still happening in your brain. Yes, the Tetris effect is real. Yeah, I and I know and I. It. Yeah. I know I've like, you've, you've probably had dreams, which is, which is weird and almost makes no sense because improv is like a dream, but you, you've had a dream where you're improvising. Yes. Not a lot, yeah. but I, I think I've had at least a couple of dreams where it's like, oh, this is an improv show. <laughs> As, yeah. Being an improv hmm. show. 
That's I've almost like you're right now. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. That that it's almost like you're trying to rationalize the craziness of a dream, just being like, oh, this is this is improv somehow or something. Yeah, I have realized I've, I'm in a dream a couple times. Yeah, the lucid lucid dreaming, right? Yeah. Yeah, which I'm not a fan of because although it's cool to control everything, I feel like the upper limit on how crazy and profound the dream can become is now lower. Um, because if you're not in control, literally anything can happen. You're not even planning for it consciously. Mm. But if you're lucid dreaming, then you're like, well, now you're now you're constrained to like what you think up actively. Mm. So that's why I'm not. That's why at first when I heard about lucid dreaming, I was like, I must try to achieve it. And then I was like, no, I don't actually want to. <laughs> That's a, I've never heard. I think you cut out there for a sec. Oh. For me. Um, but uh, I've never heard anyone kind of be like, oh, man, lucid dreaming is not for me. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's yeah. definitely not. I mean, I also think maybe. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, it, it feels like it's a more like awake you're a little bit more awake, I think, lucid dreaming too. So you're not getting as good sleep. Maybe, yeah. You're doing more heavy lifting mentally instead of putting your memories away, which is like a lot of why people think people sleep, right? Or have dreams. I yeah. mean, is to like store long-term memories. Yeah, you're, which you're is why your your own memories. Yeah, your memories. Yeah, which is why like so often you'll dream about stuff that you were exposed to within the last couple of days. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. But I've been thinking a lot about like the like because we're talking about like improvisation stuff and like what do you do on stage? How do you apply your training and everything? I've been thinking about the fundamentals a lot lately, just because I've also been doing virtual reality improvisation, and it mm -hmm. asks so many new questions and has so many new demands on the performer versus this and and uh, performing in. IRL in meat space, as they would say, mm -hmm. it's like the halfway mm -hmm. point between audio only and being there in person. It's incredible. Hmm. That so, well, I don't know. I mean, so in the in the virtual reality one, you have a you have an you have to think about the physicality of your avatar. Is that's what I'd imagine is the additional sort of thing. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, which is like puppetry. It's a lot like puppetry. And you're constrained um, depending on, well, you're always constrained no matter how good your setup is. But there are people who are like half body, which is like t like someone with an like Oculus Quest would only be using their hands and their head, basically. And you mm -hmm. can see those move in space. But then there are people who have full body tracking. So when they step, they can actually like move their leg in a way that, that maps to their actual leg. And they have more articulation. And then you may have somebody who's on desktop mode in like VR chat or something. And so they are, their hands are pinned to their side and they can only look around and move their head because they're using their mouse and keyboard, like a, like a first person shooter type of scheme. Huh? I didn't even know that there was that full body fit. Like they're not using like omnidirectional treadmills or something like that. Right. What are no, they just? No, not yet, but they're very close. Oh, um, they have, uh, there, there's, uh, there's companies that already sell, um, not treadmills, but I think they're called slide mills and you wear like slippery, like booties and they have like, <laughs> this dish that you're standing on. And there's a, 
There's uh, mounts that holds onto a harness behind you that lets you like crouch and jump, and you run, quote unquote. But you're you don't go anywhere. Obviously, your feet slide against the dish underneath. Yeah, you. yeah. Uh, that reminds me of like that that exercise equipment from like the '90s, and it was like it was like a slippery surface, and you had little booties on, and you would just kind of kind of glide back and forth. Do you remember that? Yeah, you go back. Are you talking about side to side? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I saw that at um, uh, one of the boxing gyms I used to go to in the before times had one of those. And I think I used it once. And I was like, that's the thing. Cool. Yeah, this says slide. It, 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 I'm trying to look it up, and it says it's a slide board, but I know it had a, it had a, uh, like it was, there was like a brand name to it. I started to get advertisements for this device that you would connect to your door and it would use, um, it would use like bungees to um, allow you to run quote unquote away from the door. And you would just kind of like hop in front of the door, but you'd, you'd kind of be approximating a running gate and um, you could use it in, like in lieu of a treadmill. And I started to think, Whoa, wait a minute. I could use that for virtual reality. Like I could watch a 360 video that somebody has uploaded to YouTube, like walking a nature trail or something like somewhere around the world. And I could mm -hmm. use ice to uh, simulate the sensation of jogging along with it as if I was that person wearing that GoPro or whatever, but I didn't want to buy the thing. So I made my own. Uh, and I, uh, you, you, I'm a Matt, you're, I, I've, I'm kind of getting you tied yourself to your door so that you're yeah. stopping yourself from walking. Yeah. 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 I bought four bungee cords and I connected them to a backpack that that um connects in the front like a Eddie Bauer like a outdoorsy backpack and I would put on the headset and I would just like walk or jog along, run along. They have like I mean they I mean you're, you're they have like footage of like a 360 footage of someone just kind of walking through the through uh you know in the in the wilderness or whatever. Yeah. That's what you're saying? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, done like a hiking trail or something. And those, of course, like 360 videos are like a perfect application of um, virtual reality. But as far as improv in VR, there's not a whole lot of it as far as I can tell. And most of the people who have tried it have not stuck around, hmm. which is unfortunate. Yeah. And I, I think the reason why is in, there are groups that have been at it for like three or four years, though. There's just not very many. And I think the difference is being an improviser – coming in with the, with like the expectations of improv as you know them and trying to shove them into a VR shaped, you know, environment. Uh, and the flip side of that is the people who have longevity are heavy VR users and they were like VR first and then hmm. added improvisation. Like, does that make sense? Like people who are steeped in VR who want to do improv versus improvisers who want to do it in VR and then get disappointed. Yeah. I mean, for, for people don't seem to want to do like audio only, like v, like uh, improv either. For some like people who've been doing improv in person, like I think the audio only is better than doing it like on Zoom or or whatever with a video. So do I, hundred percent. I don't. I feel like yeah. you're you're limited by the video in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like I'm always. And I'm always yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, no, you go ahead. I've said what I was about to say before. 
like it's so like the suspension of disbelief is so much easier in full audio. Like I say, we're going through this this uh, wardrobe, and now we're in Narnia, and it's a land of snow and magic and wonder. Yeah, sure, for sure. Yeah, I can see that. But like, if we're on camera and I'm sitting in a bedroom or like an office or something, <laughs> it's like, no, you're not. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and even to even more of a degree than if we were on like a, a little stage in like a black box theater, where again it would be easy to suspend disbelief because of the environment. So it's either you yeah. do it in person or you do it audio only. And there's something about Zoom that I I think I've done like two or three Zoom shows the whole pandemic. Other than that, it's been all VR and Uzbear. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Because you can't. Because even if I I don't know. Even if you're doing whatever it's called because you because there's always a little bit of interpretation i think with the video because like if i'm squashing you with my foot on the zoom video it's like like the way that i'm doing that is sort of like i'm always kind of thinking about the like the relation the the, the the physical relationship of the things and like like i'm putting it together and i suppose that it like if the other the other person then has to be in agreement with what's happening because yes. then you're, it's like there's like a lot of interpretation there that I'm supposing is is what can be bringing bringing you out of it. And another thing is, I could be wrong here. This could just be the, my assumption. But does audio only like this have a little bit less latency because it doesn't have to transmit video? Um, it, it's that's either true or it feels true. There's definitely a little bit of latency with Oozbear though. Well, yeah, I know for sure, but it's also present on Zoom. And sometimes on, when I watch a Zoom show, I'm like, man. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. yeah. If that's either true. It's either true or we're, our, our brains are causing that. Yeah, I think it, just, it might just feel true. But then, and then again, in VR, again, that's, of course, its own thing, too. Like, like the lag in VR is something that we have to work with. I held a, a session a couple months ago to specifically address um, that limitation inside of virtual reality to see what kind of warm-ups would translate well to the VR environment and which ones were impossible because of the latency. Like anything musical, unless it's like a solo thing, is of course like not really doable at this time in virtual yeah. reality. Like harmonize easily, sync up. Does latency give does it give you longer to react or do you have to react faster to compensate on any platform or are you talking about VR? I mean, yeah, like any, any platform. I think that it's part well, in Uzbear specifically, I think it's part of what um, forces us to listen more. Hmm. The awareness of the latency and the fact that we don't have video this is our only input besides the chat. And I think it forces us to absolutely hone in and listen. And lag is an aspect of that that drives that point home even more. But your question was, wondering. does it make you have more time or less time? I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, or maybe not. It just shifts it. Because I, I noticed when I was doing, like, in person, I don't... In, and I noticed I would I would wait like longer I think than I used to. I oh, don't know. you react faster in audio? No, no, I was just definitely noticed that I was like comfortable waiting, um, in person longer than I think I used to be in like comfortable waiting. I would, I was like, I'm just gonna like like let it sink in for a second. 
Well, yeah, there's more. The audience can draw on other aspects of your performance and they can see you for sure. Like they can see yeah. you guys connecting like who your partner is. You can see your facial expressions. Um, yeah, you can't really convey that here or in VR really as much. No. Yeah. It's it, right. I, it does feel like there's there's more there's like the audio also makes you makes me feel like I'm I have to there's less to think about. Like with, yes. with physically I'm I'm thinking you think I'm thinking about a whole bunch of stuff which I don't know I, I like I didn't like on Oozbear I'm not like consistently physically doing things when you said that your hair was like all like I was patting your head and it was all greasy and said I did that physically. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, just some of that it's stuff. Like, stuff um, just like just to help remember. It's like we were talking about earlier, like the animated series Star Trek. Like being animated gave them the ability to do stuff they couldn't physically do on the live action series, and it's similar with audio. Like the fact that we're audio only gives us the freedom to to more quickly and readily say something that's physically impossible is happening and conveyed yeah. believably. Which is always. One thing I I kind of think about like more broadly about like, you know, special effects and movies and stuff. And like right now they pretty much can show anything. And if they're good enough at at doing the effects, they can make it believable, even though it really is something that shouldn't be believable. Sometimes they somehow like, I don't know, it's just so smooth or what, like, like, I don't know like King shark or something is, is like a, a shark human is such mm-hmm. a ridiculous thing, but it looks, it looks good enough on, on the, on the new, whatever, uh, suicide squad. I don't, I don't, I, I, I just kind of wonder how, how that affects cr- like creative people or creative writers. The fact that this thing exists where you can show anything in movies. Yeah. You, this reminds me actually of another aspect of, the question of virtual reality improv and something I think Derek pointed out um, when I was like showing him something. Uh, So there's a couple different like social VR platforms that you can use to like talk to people and put on events and do improv or whatever. And the two main ones that come to mind that I've used are Altspace VR, which is owned by Microsoft now and VR chat. And do you have any familiarity with either of those before I like, uh, no, like I totally don't know about it at all. <laughs> okay. So in Altspace, um, all of the avatars are basically they're the same humanoid shape. Basically, they're like kind of like a Rayman thing, where like the hands are disconnected, and you have a head uh-huh. and you have a torso. But everyone has the kind of a shared design language. Like you have the same options in the character creator, like a video game, right? Like you make your avatar or whatever, and you have this finite range of like hairstyles and. So there's lots of variation and accessories and you can tell who all the individual people are at the end of the day because, you know, they, they, they differentiate themselves, but they have a shared design language and they all look like they belong to the same application. Not mm. so in VR chat. VR chat is the wild west and you can basically yeah. be anything you want to be. It's like ready player one where like the avatars mm. are as, as or they're infinite basically. And yeah. if you can design it, you can be it. And in improv, that creates a new challenge. And like, I think, Derek, again, it was Derek who pointed this out. If you're trying to establish a base reality, but one of your guys is like a, like a humanoid robot and the other person is like a, like a griffin from mythology, but now you're both supposed to be like 
policemen in the 30s or something. <laughs> There's like another yeah. layer that you have to get through now. And I think that's that's an interesting um, facet of it. And I've seen improv done in both of those services, both of those, uh, those apps, I should say. And yeah, it's, it, it's, it feels different in VR chat because of that. Yeah. That's weird because like a, like a Griffin and a robot should be able to like hang out and improvise. I mean, if those things actually existed, like, yes. like nothing stopping them from improvising. For sure. So do you think it, do you think that, that the fact that you can see those avatars doing stuff, is that, does that add to it? Even if they're not related to the improv scene they're doing? I honestly think it, it does add to it, but it, it, in the, I, I think it detracts from, well, from being able to spend disbelief for one. Like when you watch an improv set in, or show in um, alt space, the energy is more akin to an in-person show as far as the performers, because they look, they all look humanoid. Mm-hmm. And in VR yeah. chat, they can be any shape. They can literally, the other day we turned into a bunch of pieces of toast and we flopped around like a swarm of like bread and a bird came and ate us or tried to. It was wait, pretty funny. Wait, that all happened in the VR space? Like that, like that, like you, you guys turned into bread? Yes, but just as an example of like what you can do, that wasn't during an improv show. That was just improv people hanging out. Like oh. You wouldn't be able to do that on, on the fly at this point, something like that. That w- that took like a couple minutes to get like to like be disseminated, but I oh yeah it, my honest answer to that is I don't think that it contributes in a helpful way to to the to the to the performance. Hmm. It's still fun and it's still great and it's really good, but I just mean for me personally, I feel like it's another layer of like processing you have to do. Yeah. Um. Because yeah, I mean in alt space, it's it's because everyone is not uniform, but they share a design language. You don't have to like devote any like mental RAM to being like, oh yeah, this person's this person. Although I will say this, it's way easier to differentiate who's who because the avatars can be so wildly different in VR chat. If that makes sense, like oh, I'm yeah, not going to yeah. forget that Godzilla is a different entity <laughs> than R2-D2 if they're both on stage. Yeah. This makes me think of like w- what kind of outfits you think it's appropriate to wear like on stage too. Because if you have something too distracting, it's like, I mean, you could be wearing something that's super distracting. For example, if you were improvising with someone wearing a Wario outfit, like it is sort <laughs> of like distracting all the time, no matter what. Yes. Unless you were also dressed as like that level of energy or like you were Mario or something, then it would Waluigi. be less distracting. Yeah, Waluigi. Because then you would have a shared kind of aesthetic, right? Consistent. And it would be less. Than, yeah. As someone pointed this out to me on Discord uh, like last week, they were like, have you noticed that like really good teams seem to dress the same and that's not to mean they all dress they all dress the same way but like if there's like a indie looking group they'll all dress like indie looking or if there's like a group that wears like a like a black turtleneck they'll all wear it 
So it's not that they have to wear the exact same thing, that black turtleneck group maybe, but like even other groups will like wear the same just energy of clothing. Yeah. That was their observation. I wasn't sure if I believed it 100%, but I was like, maybe. Yeah, I feel like you, the, 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 the clothes, the, yeah, it just can't be distracting, whatever it is, the, the clothing. Yes. C- consistency at least makes it like, well, they're all wearing, I don't want to, I don't know, a uniform, I guess, but you just accept that they're performers, I think, if they're all kind of wearing the exact same thing, or if it's kind of like a similar, like sort of street clothes sort of thing, that's also just like, well, they, they accept that, like, you can't, like, I think mo- like uh, most people are like, well, I don't want to, we- because of improv, you don't want to be wearing something too distracting. And I can imagine like you can have something that doesn't yeah. have any design or wording on it that is like pretty loud shirt anyway. Yeah. But I mean, if I think it would be way better to have a whole team full on dressed as clowns than to have one guy dressed as a clown. Because <laughs> <laughs> you expect something different from him. Yeah. I would expect they him to have some yeah. kind of like function. Yeah. <laughs> he's, uh, he's just like, he's yeah. a piece of the animated background that we know is going to move and we're going to keep looking at it. He's, che- he's Chekhov's animated background. We expect to move. And if he doesn't move, we get upset. Yes. That tension has to be released mm-hmm. by the end of third act. Oh, Oh, that were about like, I was just going to bring this up. I don't know how this, this is neat, though. I, I, have you ever read, like, The Maltese Falcon? I have it with me in this room. I have not read it. It's so... This, I, I was thinking about it when we were talking about, like, like special effects and stuff and how... I don't know. I was kind of thinking, I, I, like, how... What? I have seen it, though. I have seen it, though. Oh, yeah. yeah. I saw the movie as, a, like, a teenager. The I, I wanted to watch it again because I just read it. Um but so that was written in like in the 1930s, like 1931 or something like mm-hmm. that. And yeah. movies talk, talking movies were probably about six years old at that point, but move, but you know, silent films have been existing for a while. But what's interesting about that book is that it's totally written. Like, like it's a camera watching what's going on. Like there's no other description of like the, ah. the thoughts, the thoughts in someone's head, it's it's very like matter of fact like you know he anything that's described can pretty much be would be physically sensed by someone in in the room basically right so it's yeah. like i i don't know i kind of cuz that makes it instantly filmable in a lot of ways because it's it's like i i wondered how it was related to like screenplays or whatever but i i don't know i just i just was thought how that sort of the the, the fact that movies had existed and, and the, the writer, you know, had obviously seen them by that point. I just, I was just wondering how that like kind of affected his imagination and his, his, as he was kind of writing that book. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like this was the beginning of, of authors intentionally writing in a cinematic way. Yeah. I, I think, I think so because like, in the 19th, I, I've actually also been listening to this. Uh, the reason I read The Maltese Falcon is I'm, I was reading this creative writing book, and the, the guy uses a lot of examples of stuff. And in the, in, the, in the century before that, 
was the century of the like omniscient narrator who knows everyone's thoughts yeah. and gives opinions and is like you know the, the like it's pretty upfront about the, the this character sucks for this reason and like like they, they basically yeah. say it this is my opinion Charles um, Dickens yeah I was that was the Dickens is a big example of that so it's like yeah how did that happen like at least in certainly in the in those kind of sort of detective fiction or those uh what are they called? You know, um, the pulp kind of stuff. Pulp, At least yeah. the, the the best examples, which probably Maltese Falcon is one of the best examples of that, is that is is the is is, is like basically cinematic. Yeah. So it, technology definitely drives artistic expression, obviously, oh, right? Ab like absolutely. Like here we are having this type of exchange. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I think, and, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I, was, I mean, I, like, I think it, in that sense, like, clearly technology is, um, you know, if you can use the technology to create the art, like, obviously the technology is affecting the art, right? But in that instance, right. like, he's writing a novel, which is something that had existed for hundreds of years already. Yes. But he's writing it in a certain way as a reflection of another piece of, technological art that wasn't yes. available to people previous. Right. This is related, I think, to like the observation. Um, I'm reading this book about, um, it's called The Shallows. It's about like how our attention span has, has um, diminished since we've, you know, had access to the internet. Basically it's like precipitously fallen off. Yeah. And I think we've, felt that even in our own lifetimes. Like I definitely know when I was a kid, I could like grab a book and then just like devour it. But now it's like almost torturous. Like I have to work to get through a book, even though I enjoy reading and it's because my brain has been reprogrammed. But the reason I bring this up is because one of the major points of the book is that the medium that we use, the technology that we inter interact with can literally, can literally transform the type of like content we produce and we take on aspects of that technology. Like when oh, I want to say Nietzsche is referenced in this, uh, he used to write um, by hand or whatever. And then um, he got like an early typewriter and it was like a sphere or like a semi, like a semi, uh, like a dome. And the letters were like on top of this dome. So it kind of looked like a pin cushion type or it looked like the coronavirus, I guess, like the top of it. And, um, he would press his fingers into this ball and it was like very mechanical and very deliberate. And you had to like really push into it. And he could sense that his writing style was changing. It was like the iron from the machine was going into his words. And he wrote about that to like one of his friends. He's like, I can feel the typewriter having this effect on my output. And I am starting to think like it, but he wasn't opposed to it. He's like, I'm fine with it. I'm just no, I'm just aware that this is happening. Yeah. If you Google, like I just Googled Nietzsche typewriter and I, it does not look comfortable to be using. It's not like a, no, a, like a, whatever. Um, it's like something from Saw. That's like, I've never read, have you, like, have you heard of like uh, the diving bell and the butterfly? No. It's a, it's a book, this guy who wrote entirely by blinking because he was like in a, in a, you know, not a, not a coma, but like a, you know, he was in a car accident and he was a journalist and he wrote an entire book just by blinking. Yeah. Is, the, is this, 
this really happened or is this a story no, in a book? No, this is real. Yeah, that's real. Whoa. There's a that's movie wild. of it. Yeah. I have got to Yeah, I've got to expose myself to that. That sounds incredible. Yeah, I've story. I've been yeah, I haven't read that. I haven't read it or seen the movie, but I've it sort of really stuck with me when I learned about it and I do want to at some point check it out. Um that reminds Answer. me of some. Yeah. There's some other like. Hmm. I think there's some other like older kind of movie where that's kind of the that that I, that I had seen like on the independent film channel when that was still a thing. That is yeah. like yeah like he was a he was an injured like it was a guy who was injured in, in like a, a major way and it was sort of the same kind of thing. Hmm. Anyway, I sorry. One thing I noticed about the virtual reality is that, well, first of all, I know earlier I said like, oh, like I think that the different avatars you see in VR chat can make it like distracting or like less easy to totally buy into base reality, et cetera. And like the, you know, the scene itself, that being said, the uh, VR chat is the people who are in there doing improv are doing like astounding work. Actually, they're like working really hard on, adapting it to that space that they're in so it makes sense in the context of a vr chat and i just yeah i want to give shout out to them and yeah. a kudos to that community for trying to push the boundaries there and successfully pushing the boundaries there but here's the here's a something i noticed about all these intellectual technologies that are like brought up in the shallows vr is like a culmination of so many technologies um, to make it even possible, like like obviously the book had to come first, and display technology, and gyroscopes, and sensors, and there's so much that culminates to make virtual reality possible. But what's interesting about being in VR is that the better it gets, the less the technology is apparent to you. Does that make sense? Like the simulation gets better and better. So the fact that it's all of these different technological principles fused together, it kind of falls away. So it feels like going back to square one. Yeah. You know, it's like a square. Yeah. I kind of had this observe, like, maybe this is dumb, but I thought, you know, in a video game, like technologies exist that we don't have. You know what I mean? Like, like, (laughs) <laughs> yeah and i thought like I, I at the time i was i i thought that i was like well like uh n- not just pokeballs but like you know there's there's spaceships or there's uh all, all that kind of stuff and i was thinking about you know modern video games but obviously those things exist in older video games too like i mean technology like and i mean obviously technologies exist in books that don't exist i don't know it's just weird right. to me that there's this virtual in, in virtual reality there's technologies that we don't have in our physical space. There's teleporting yeah. or whatever, for example, too. Yeah. So it's like, it's, I don't know. It's this weird sort of thing where even though we're incapable of certain things, we are capable of it in, in our fictional world that we make. And we can conceive of it. We can like hold it in our mind, even if we don't have the knowledge of how to create it for real. That's what's crazy to me too. Like if, 
if we got dropped into like a Star Wars scenario or like a Star Trek scenario, like somehow we were taken to that universe, we would kind of be able to get along. You know what I mean? Because we understand what a transporter is or what a lightsaber is. We couldn't really recreate those technologies in person in this world, but we would still be able to function. I like, I could be like, Oh, this is a food replicator. I get food from it. I don't know how it works. I just know that it does. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Which is, yeah. Which makes me think about, yeah, like some techno, like some technologies, like I don't know, do they already <laughs> exist in some way because they exist in virtual reality? Ooh, that's a that's getting deep. But I was going to say that 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 principle though of like being able to conceive of a future te- a technology, an exotic technology, a non-real technology, we would be interacting with those technologies in the same way we interact with real technologies that we don't fully understand. I'm using a computer right now and I couldn't build one like yeah. from, I mean, from, from absolute scratch, I could plug yeah. the pieces together and build a gaming PC, but I couldn't make a microprocessor or explain exactly how it works. I just use it. Well, no. And not, there's, there's not really anyone who really could. Exactly. Like, I don't think, I don't think. Which, yeah. Yeah. It's all, yeah, because it's all um, piecemeal. Like, it's all different components and everything. And it, no one can hold all, all of this technology fully in their mind. I see is what you're saying, right? Like, yeah. There's just too much to know. It also makes me wonder, like, so, you know, people playing... Dungeons and Dragons in the 70s or whatever, people writing, uh, you know, um, even like space opera, you know, like, like I think the earliest examples, like what the 20s or something like, like, do, yeah. do we do we have that those kind of worlds? Like, do we have more clarity about those worlds? Because we've interacted with them, like, in a video game setting or in or in virtual reality. Yeah. Because they're, they're the people who kind of invented the whole, or even Tolkien, right? Like they kind of invented yeah. the whole thing, but they they never looked at, you know, they've never they never seen an interactive version of it. They never seen an interactive. They never seen a movie version of it in some cases too. Ah, yes. So are you saying are, are we more familiar with those worlds than the creators are at this point? I I I think so. I mean, because some of it is like, how would those like how would those worlds even even be an interesting thing to be in? You know, like what what makes the video game fun? What makes it fun to be Spider-Man? You know, like yeah, they wouldn't be able to design the game as good as obviously like the people who over several like I mean, Spider-Man games have you know there there probably are there's ones for Nintendo for sure, but probably for Atari, right? That are just like. Yeah. The the just not the development of the video game is not just the the you know the graphics and that stuff getting better. I mean, all that stuff's super important. But like even like those the 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 the, the web slinging and stuff and making that be more satisfying to do, like developed over time or the or the combat right that like all that developed over time. Um, right. But it's the same like the early the early kind of internet sort of people thinking about what the internet would be. Or whatever, like you know, like neuromancer or whatever. What people would do on yeah. the internet is also also evolved just because 
because we actually live in it and we got to deal with it and we know which parts of it are. What, what's you interesting know. is VR does kind of reintroduce some of those old cyberpunk tropes and does make them into a thing that people actually ended up doing. Like what? There was, well, like the idea of, well, do you, like on Discord, um, did you see that ad that Discord put out within the last couple of days with Aquafina and Danny DeVito? Um, I, was it on like a TV ad? It was like a, it's like a video they put on YouTube, but I, I, I it was like on a splash screen for like, I, I started up discord, I think yesterday and it was like, watch this video, please. And I was like, okay. And I watched it. So <laughs> you can get to it through discord, but they present discord as this place where people can come together based on, you know, similar interests and, you know, become friends and talk and everything, which is what it is. It's great. And that's exactly what it does. Um, but in the context of this little mini movie they made, it's like 10 minutes or 15 minutes or something high production value. It's got lots of influencers and it's got a couple celebrities and stuff. Um, they present it as if it's this like metaverse, like, like ready player one where mm-hmm. people have all these different avatars and stuff. And this is where it gets into the like realization of cyberpunk tropes and stuff. It's like the idea of a ready player one environment where you walk around and people have these avatars to express themselves in a, a way that's purely authentic to them of their choosing and um, design and everything. I thought it was was ironic and awkward for me to watch that ad because discord's presenting like it's, it's, it's the, the whole tagline is like, imagine a place, imagine a place where blah, 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 imagine a place where blah, blah, blah. But as a VR user, I don't have to imagine that place that they're presenting as a metaphor for what discord is. That's already starting to happen in VR. The metaverse is actively being seeded and grown and tended to and expanded. Um, and that is like a type of sci-fi trope that is definitely happening in VR is like these avatars and stuff, but also the, the way we wear um, the headsets, even that is just like a classic, like late eighties, early nineties VR trope. Like that hasn't changed. That's commonplace now. The physical object. Yes. Like, like in Johnny mnemonic, like he covers his eyes yeah, and he's got like two gloves, which are basically the controllers. Where, you know, they have individual finger tracking and stuff, so it's kind of similar. I was reading, oh man, I, it was from the guy who like it was like a I think it was Cyberpunk might have been the name of the the magazine, but it's mm-hmm. like people like yeah, I mean I think this was probably in the early late eighties, early nineties, but they definitely like they're like this is all gonna happen. Like they they were they at least kind of like they had a pretty good sense of what the technology w- would be eventually. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's impressive how many of those things are like basically coming true. Like the increasing power of the corporation, increased um, income inequality, stuff like that is basically happening. Yeah. This is actually the year Johnny Demonic happens. Oh, is it? We we watched it. We watched it then. We We watched it at the very beginning of this year. Nice. Oh, and it happens in January, by the way, too. Um, So, so it's already so. Yeah, Johnny Mnemonic's already happened. Old news. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was trying to figure the name of that magazine, but um, that also makes me wonder, like, and it's also the 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 at least there's a lot of users for the technology because I was thinking about what like what you could do. I was talking to actually Eric about this, like what technology you could have made Uzbear on. 
had you been born earlier? Like, because for one thing you could do it and we've done this, we've done like CB radio, like kind yeah. of on news bear. Um, so I think you could do, you do CB radio for sure. But like um, also in the 80s, in the eighties, there was like, it was like, they had um, all those one nine hundred numbers that you could so you could you could call in. It's basically like a par- like a party chat or whatever, you know. Yeah. So and and the really the time period for that really was the eighties because um, they had to crack down on it because there was tons of abuses. Like people would call up um, the Santa Claus hot like they would advertise Santa Claus hotlines and little kids would would call it up and rack up huge bills. Um, and that and that caused like you know it, it to die down in the nineties. Um, so like the eighties was really the heyday. So like that would have been a technology that you could have entirely done. Like it was there totally would have worked for. Yeah. Um, but it's just like interesting. Like, I don't know how many people would have been aware of like, this is improv on of one 900 number. How many people would have been aware or willing to do that? Yeah. I mean, improv was already, it wasn't brand brand new, obviously in the eighties, but the improv is so interesting because it's a relatively recent development in terms of like human history and art it's it's arguably you know uh like a like a mid 20th century invention but yeah it is the one discipline that you don't really need any equipment for yeah it Which doesn't part require of the, yeah even a stage really yeah that's just kind of the smart i always think the smart like the kind of that that simplicity and paring things down is a lot of you know, there's a lot of intelligence when people do that, like, like kind of making something, uh, you know, simpler is a lot or getting it down to its bare bones. What you actually need to do it is, is not as necessarily obvious as you always might think it is. Right. I, I always wonder, like, it, I mean, it does like what, what are the, like the, the roots of kind of improv? I've, I've always, it comes out of like theater in a lot of ways, I think. But it's also like I, I wonder if like if it would have come out of like tabletop gaming, because mm. if if they would have kind of if it could have also like evolved out of that potentially because that's like I mean like tabletop gaming evolves out of like having little soldiers like I think yeah. it was um, the, it's the HG Wells I think even kind of did this like they had they had little soldiers in their in their in their bed yeah. in their I don't know if it's in their bedroom but they fired actual projectiles and all kinds of, but anyway, that was, that was the earlier, the, 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 yeah, the I read that about kind of that. evolved. That, yeah. Recently he, he created like a, like a role-playing game, basically like a military strategy RP type thing really early yeah. on. Yeah. And it, I mean, he got that out of actual, like, well, it's so crazy how that evolved. Cause it's, it's out of the actual like war games that you'd actually do to train. And they're like, Oh, that's kind of fun. How can we kind of do that for fun? It's the H.G. Wells to Warhammer 40k pipeline. Yeah, and I don't. Yeah, so that's yeah, it's interesting because improv sort of has that, you know, especially short form that competitive aspect or something that that I suppose. That's true. There's definitely a lot does. of overlap um, in the people who do both of those things too. Like I know tons of people who do tabletop that also do improv and that's one of the selling points of like the workshops that I go to in VR chat is that if you want to get better at RP, this is a good place to come. This will naturally give you like tools that you can use to get better at, at RP. And um, yeah. when I first started doing improv, I started in high school in California and I was taken to comedy sports camp. I mean, I went, I wasn't like kidnapped. 
I was like invited. I was told about it by somebody who was already doing it in a different high school. And he's like, you should come this year. And so I went and it, it was great. It was amazing. But at the end of it, we all went to, he and I went to um, this group to this house to meet up with like the people from his comedy sports team. And they were all just role players and that's what they were doing all night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah, I totally believe that. It's so interesting. Cause it would, cause with the, with the whole kind of simplicity of improv and there's really, if you're, you know, like that kind of paring it down to what is the essential bits, like role playing and whatever kind of adds that like a whole lot of logic to things too, you know, like mm-hmm. that improv is sort of like you, you're focusing more on the narrative as opposed to kind of like, like a game mechanic in any way. Right. Well, role playing is like improv with some of the steps done already. Cause like that question that we would ask of if this is true, what else is true? We are discovering as we improvise, but role playing gives you like books. It's like, this is true. And this is true. And this is true. And this is true. Go at it. Hmm. And that, yeah. And then you're kind of wiggling around under that sort of, <laughs> I guess when you're in that petri dish and the slide is placed over you, you're just kind of wiggling yeah. around with the things that are there. Yeah, but it can also mm-hmm. like it can also open up possibilities too, like to have constraints like that. Like you can re you can take a system in role playing and reconfigure it to fit another universe or something. Like my one of my friends um, was recently talking to me about how he took the World of Darkness role playing system and took it from a supernatural setting and formatted it to fit star Wars and it fit perfectly. And he had like a blast doing that. Role-playing games. Typically there's an expectation on the part of the, the GM that they've, that they've already kind of set that stuff up. Like they've done that kind of background work already. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that would be not make a good improv show, but the, the well, people do it as performances, right? The the, the tabletop gaming oh, and stuff. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, I've never listened or, or interacted with any of that stuff. I'm probably yeah. completely wrong. Never mind. Yeah. The only one I know is, uh, I know Harmon Quest is, is that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, I'm, but I, I think I was just more generally referring to, like, if you had just an improv show that wasn't already designed to be a tabletop affair, and yeah. they tried running it with, you know, if it was run like in a top down way, I feel like it would be harder to do. Hmm. Like if it wasn't already, if it wasn't already agreed upon that you're doing like a tabletop thing. Yeah. Then it would be like, what's going on here? Like have a kind of a GM somehow, but it's a GM for the improv show. Yeah. Actually, you know what? This sounds fun. Never mind. Yeah. Maybe I, I don't, it's something worth, well, it's almost like, um, a little bit like having a director or like giving, well, it's like giving notes. It's at least someone being like, Hey, this is the, the direction to kind of go in and yeah. Ha- having someone who's, who's kind of being a, uh, the omniscient narrator or whatever. Yes. To touch on what you were saying about like reducing things to like their simplest form and, and everything. It's like, it blows my mind that technically you could teach improvisation to the ancients I think I talked mm-hmm. about this on Easter within the last month or something, but like you could go to ancient Greece and be like, Hey, here's how you play zip, zap, zap. And here's how you do a herald. Yeah. And it uh, would be possible. Yeah. I've totally thought that um, improv 
like yeah if i'm like a displaced time traveler like improv is something that i do could could bring and and it's like yeah i mean reasonably if you're able to figure out how to have shows and stuff it would be something that they had never seen before yeah it's the oh, whole wow. problem with the whole problem with time travel is of course that everyone would be speaking a different language yeah you'd have to get around that yeah because it is it is it is a d different enough thing that it's like it's like yeah i mean I, I guess i'm what i'm saying is improv is a valid creation but i think obviously but i was also yeah. going to say when you were saying like improv is definitely created it like you know in the previous century it's also inter interesting like i mean like theater exists it existed for so long and it's like it's like how did they never kind of just just sort of try making it up out of nowhere yeah you know it's like and hmm. i've heard people talk about like well there's like prototypical improvisation there's like 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 commedia dell'arte and stuff and i'm yeah. sure actors had to improvise in like elizabethan like shakespearean um settings and stuff from time to time but you're right like how how did something so simple to us seemingly not arise earlier and it's, yeah. it's something about the conditions of the 20th century um made it possible hmm hmm because yeah well that's interesting just to think about what that is i, I, I don't know because it's kind of like because i want to you think tell i don't know because i want to think about television and all that stuff sort of well okay like movies well the, the the way that I keep thinking is like I keep thinking of these counter examples like I was going to think about well how you know at that point maybe like you know movies were a thing that exists so kind of, well maybe that is why like movies are things that exist and they're recorded right so kind of having this more like a live sort of thing was, was seemed more uh, more you know obviously makes it more fresh and stuff and that's why you're able to kind of get away with that but I think there's like there's performances already that you kind of kind of fully expect what's to happen. And it's not, it's not a recording, but it is, you know, entirely predictable because people are going off a script. Yeah. Plays, vaudeville. Yeah. I know that there's, there's storytelling too. I don't know. It's interesting that like, how are, like, were there just kind of like, as opposed to being like a storyteller or someone who has something prepared or they're just like these kind of, the you know like natural raconteurs i mean would they ever just would they ever just get up on stage and be like hey i'm gonna talk about whatever up here just kind of don't get me started you know and they kind of go yeah. off and like that that's just a performance sort of thing yeah i'm sure that's happened i think like what we're getting at is that a lot of the pieces of improvisation predate improv by a long time but they didn't it didn't like coalesce into a unified like art until the 20th century yeah stand-up's also interesting like that too because that seems so basic as well because they're you're yeah. just it's a single person on a stage talking and it's like that sort of even that the attitude of it right doesn't yeah. even exist like 200 years ago yeah, we had people speaking individually to a crowd for millennia. Yeah, but what, nobody was like, "What if it was funny and had biting commentary?" Yeah, 
instead I'm going to yeah instead I'm going to dress up like in uh with with like I'm going to put little bells on my hat and I'm going to caper around with wearing wearing smeared makeup instead like they think that because yeah. it's almost like I don't know. It's interesting because like those 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 two art forms are major art forms for us, but like they are entirely an expression of ideas and not so much uh, have any sort of trappings of costume or, or or anything like that that maybe they felt was necessary. Yeah, I don't. I I think it's just impossible for us to really understand why a different time period likes a certain thing. Yeah. I also think it probably has something to do with the fact that we've, uh, we're so familiar with media and that people are producing so much that it like, maybe some of these things sort of got boiled down because we have enough leisure time to do that. And we're not, we're not all subsistence farmers. Oh yeah. That's a good point too. Yeah. It just wouldn't have been possible if everyone was always preoccupied, was always occupied. Yeah. Like that, like like ninety percent of people were farmers, like even just like a hundred and fifty years ago. Oh yeah, bonkers, bonkers to think about. Yeah, think of how <laughs> swiftly technology changed from nineteen hundred to two thousand. It's like it was like violently fast progress. Yeah, and then we said yeah. like it's it seems like a big change for us the way the internet has changed, but like. Yeah, <laughs> I honestly think that the the pace hasn't slowed down, but it's been it's been harder for us to realize what a huge leap has been taken in the last twenty years because we were there for it. Yeah, I I know. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, probably. Like, you don't think about like, I I, I know like how like I don't know. It was weird because I was remember I remember thinking like, oh, there should be something where you can. Sh- like, I mean, this was, I wasn't super insightful. It was pretty clearly going to happen, but just thinking, I remember specifically thinking about there should be something where you can share videos on the internet and that wasn't happening <laughs> at the time. Yeah. And then when it does eventually happen, oh, I was, this is what I was doing. I was looking at YouTube's front page the other night and I was, I was thinking about how originally I had thought about there should be something like YouTube. And I was just looking at all of the stuff that was on YouTube and just, it's like awful on the front page of YouTube, you know, like the, yeah. the generic you get rid of all your, you know, your, you look at an incognito window and just see what they're just giving to a random person. And it's a bunch of like stuff I would not, not, not only stuff I wouldn't want to watch, but it was stuff that what it was, I wouldn't have understood what it was just by looking at it. You know, I probably could figure uh, it out if I'd watched the video, but stuff like, I don't know what it was. Um, I don't know if I just look at YouTube right now, it's probably like, And the stuff do they have on here? While you're looking for that, I do feel like the algorithm got worse for me recently. I don't know why. Like it almost never shows me something where I'm like, yes, I must watch this anymore. I don't know what happened. Oh yeah, it, it always seems to be the same. Um, oh, yeah. I don't know, just like reaction reaction videos. Oh yeah. You know, just things you you'd be like, what what is this? It's a major genre. Uh-huh. Now. Like this, like this phrase, TikToks that make you lol. Like, yeah. I guess I would have understand what an LOL is. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. What else they got on this? Um, I don't know what this. I don't know what this means. And I'm funniest K band lame TikTok combination. Combination. I don't know what that is. There's just stuff on here that it's just like, is this a, is this English? 
I don't know. And it's going to be even more far removed from our understanding in 2050, in 2100, in 3000. Yeah. There's this uh, book called Permutation City. And it's essentially like people, it's like about people have uploaded their minds or whatever. And, uh, you know, they have like children. And it's like, you know, at first, of course, they're, they're humanoid, right? And he talks about the, like the different generations of people, though, because they become uh, there's there's a few generations because they they eventually become just like they're just like abstract entities, of course, that don't make any sense whatsoever. Yeah. Um, I, oh, I think like the second generation is like they're less human, they're more like animal-like, or like they're not, you know, it, that's that's interesting. Like like if you're not bounded by those things, the people would you, you would explore in that way. Yeah. Are they virtual? Are they like all information? Like the generations after the people who uploaded? Yeah, I like I th- like I think he gives the sense that their physical form does not matter, or it's it's like yeah. or, or maybe not necessarily a thing. Yeah, like why would it if you are just a mind? Yeah, which is interesting here because because on Uzbear where we're just talking, our physical forms do not matter. So in on Uzbear we're nothing but any of the audio that we create. But in real life, where our entire physical forms, or on VR, you're a false physical form that you can manipulate. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> There's so many different like layers here. Yeah. What's interesting too is that in VR, and this kind of is like how you were just describing in Permutation City, like there was like a generation where people were more animal-like or something, and it was like a trend, right? You're yeah. saying that the generations had trends. There's like yeah. a trend even in the forms that people choose to assume in virtual reality like people still want to choose things that are roughly humanoid most of the time so that they can you know have some kind of grounded you know connection i guess and be able to, com- to communicate but like there's trends in the types of forms that people take like there's lots of like furry avatars and like anime anime centric like uh, designs those are the yeah. two big ones that also makes me think of like the the evolution of memes and stuff how they sort yeah. of have contextual forms for a while like they're the those older ones where it's a person's face and stuff and but now they're those don't really and then there was like the rage comics and then like those things don't exist really or i don't know there's not they're not the main sort of i don't know what the main sort of meme is right now but they're not that or the what are those the, the motivational sort of style as well yeah with like the text top and bottom type thing yeah 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 the the it's the 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 formats are always getting subverted and, and permutated online and with increasing speed i think uh there was a there this is already ancient history because it was like probably six months ago i saw this but there was this like this image that was like a side-by-side comparison of like millennial, millennial humor and gen z humor and i was like millennial humor and it was like a picture of two traffic cones and it, and it said cones uh-huh. i'm like haha yeah okay fair enough and then it was like gen z humor and it was like the same picture but the the saturation was turned up to like a thousand, so it looked like a heat map yeah. almost. And the image was like distorted for no reason. And it and cones was like spelled with like a, a Z or something or like totally wrong. And it was like cones. <laughs> and, I thought, yeah. and it's like it's true. Like it, it even if it's not inherently more abstract, it will seem that way to someone who who where if the culture has moved on. You know what I mean? Like yeah. maybe it's actually more orderly. And I just don't understand it. Yeah. That, first of all, I think that, that kind of trend makes me think like, 
the like the millennials are they're taking the thing and they're like, oh, I'm going to use the technology I have to just fuck it up in every way because that's just what happens. That's just the reality of things. They're just sort of fucked up by technology. It kind of makes me think that's what the impetus of that is. But mm-hmm. what's also weird about that is like surrealism and dataism. I mean, those are things that have existed, you know, yeah. like they're like reactions to like what world war one or like, yeah. <laughs> I, I think the difference might be though, that it's, if this is these, like, like what you referred to, those were like, I think anyway, they were like adult developments. Whereas like, this is something mm. that like children can produce now and that children deal in and can comprehend. Oh, oh, depends on how, old i i want to i want to guess some of those people might have been in their at least early 20s in their in their like heyday of stuff for sure but i mean like like now there's like this shift i think going on like people would be like remember like when like real sarcastic humor was a thing like turn of the millennium to 2010 i guess there was like lots of like sarcastic like tongue-in-cheek stuff i think um i feel like those were like like adolescent and adult reactions to like systems we didn't like. Whereas now there's like surrealism that borrows from like despair. Like I, I, I've, I've um, seen like this trend where like, like younger people will like joke much more frequently about killing themselves, for example. Hmm. Like that's not something we didn't touch on growing up, but like, it's like, it was, it's like a go-to thing. It's like, well, everything's pointless anyways man, I wish I were dead, et cetera. I think I've heard that on here at least once from like somebody hmm. who was joking who was of the younger persuasion. But yeah, that's the shift that's, I've noticed. Fatalism and stuff. Yeah. That's certainly a, a taboo. And I can imagine, I don't know, if we're older people, we recognize how that's a taboo maybe because that wouldn't be present in television as much, even though it is, you know, you can find it, examples. Yeah. Um, Tristan, Tristan Zara, who was the first dataist I thought of, the birth of data happened when he was 20 years old. And he's one of the kind of founder people. But, um, but yeah, I think, I think you saying that it's younger is definitely a thing because like, those, like sort of like broader kind of ideas of things are transmitted through those like, through television shows that you and I are not watching, you know, right. like shows that are meant for kids like the ones we watched like <laughs> like doug you know doug, doug whatever has does have that kind of you know all the stuff that we liked about it that sort of uh the the, the oddness of it or whatever but like yeah. like modern like modern stuff i think also kind of is is also influenced by everything and like just like doug is like kind of tame and chill i mean Ren, Ren and stimpy is also is, is the opposite because it's madcap but i think right. like modern like modern stuff almost transcends both of those by like could possibly in a, in a way be the same thing at the same time like i don't know like like my students yeah. have, i mean they, my students have watched rick and morty of course because it's a cartoon and it's awesome but right. rick and morty is uh, like there's a lot of aside from just being a very good show it does go like jump around thematically or emotionally and you explores things broadly. Yes. Yeah. It takes some deep dives and it, it allows you yeah. like things that are oriented towards children do ask like, not where just children, but I mean, that are like, you know, cartoons and stuff. Um, they do like deal with a lot of heavy themes and stuff. 
Yeah. Hmm. I, and everything's and commented. I, or go ahead. Go ahead. No, you. I was going to say, and everything's commented on. I think like why, like instantaneously, like things, things that were kind of like really so, such a unique form was like Mystery Science Theater 3000 or Beavis and Butthead because yeah. they're, because they were watching TV and they were commenting on it. Even the Simpsons sort of has a lot of, they're watching the television, right? And reacting to it. I think maybe even more so than some of the older sitcoms, they, they, they almost use the television for ex, ex, exposition reasons. But I think those are the ones where it's like, they're kind of, they have more of an intimate kind of understanding of what tele, technolo, technology, the television is. And they're, I mean, Mystery Science Theater is just entirely commenting on it, you know? Um, yes. And I think that's why those were popular. I mean, you couldn't necessarily do that you couldn't do that instantaneously the way we do that now. Like almost the commentary of everything is a part of the, the thing almost like, almost like instantaneously. And I think that's yeah. why they, maybe that's why those millennials fuck those things up immediately because they know if there's a fuck up, that's going to be the, the like, there's going to be like, that's going to be the focus of the thing. Right. Are you referring to Gen Z? Like it's like the latest. Group, oh, or? Uh, Oh, the, the whole millennial. I was going back to the millennial with the cone thing because they fucked it up deliberately because they know the, they know. I don't know. They're almost like nope. transcending the yeah. the fact that that's the thing that would normally be commented on, and then they're yes. like they're like fuck you, comment on on the whole fucking thing or whatever. Yeah. Well, no, yeah, but just to clarify that the 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 distorted one was the Gen Z uh, interpretation. It was a later one. The, just, so the, yeah. Oh, the Gen Z. Wait. Oh, the yeah 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. People yeah, yeah. who have tend to be more fatalistic and stuff. And I was thinking about this, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, but like, um, I also don't think that like like we've touched on this like from a couple different angles here. But like the like the like younger people more frequently joking about like really dark subjects and stuff, and like acting like the world is going to end in like three days or something like real just grim dark stuff. It is, I think, derived from the environments that we came up in. Like we. Because we, we're not that far apart in age. Like we came up when we were still kind of in that like Rocky Four, um, like America's great forever like type environment, and there's no there's no like blemishes in our image. And here come the '90s now, and the '90s are radical and they're fun and um, they're full of sugar and caffeine and everything. But then Gen Z, growing up in a post 9/11 environment, is coming up in a darker period in general. And so they kind of have to confront these things as children. I wonder if, if, I mean, there's, there's, there, there's the veil of childhood going on there too, because I, I think, um, I mean, because people would have said that about Nixon being like resigning and stuff too. Like, like that, the fact that, that America, you know, makes mistakes or, or whatever in like the Vietnam. Yeah. The, like, I think they, they might've said all that stuff too. So it kind of makes me think it's a little bit cyclical. And also the, sure. the, the post post nine 11 is also like a very patriotic time that like, I mean, even though people like, like, man, the, the, the voting for like, I've been reading, like I, I watched a documentary about Afghanistan last night and yeah. like just going into all of that is like, how for how to the degree that people were for that war was was kind of crazy 
It was um, yeah, it was like unanimous yeah. almost, wasn't it? Oh yeah, it's it's like ninety seven percent, like the the, yeah. the the voting in the Congress. But yeah. I mean, there was also you know, what's also crazy. I don't know, also crazy about, it, and that's maybe just they're different events that we're we're reacting to. But after that, like right, I remember like people having those magnet those magnetized like never forget thing on their bumper stickers, right? Yeah. On their bumpers, right? You know what I'm talking about? Those yeah. those were all over the place. Okay. They do nothing. The, buying that that thing, aside from I don't know, maybe it donates money to a cause. It probably doesn't. But buying that thing and putting that on your bumper sticker does literally nothing. Yes. And people did it, and they were upset, and whatever, and they were all over the place. But now, doing something that literally will help people, you know, like wearing a mask or getting a vaccine, yes. people are straight up refusing to do that, even though. I looked at the numbers today. The number of people who died in 9-11 was like 3,000 people. Yes. It's less, little less than 3,000. The number of people on Earth who have died from the coronavirus is like 6 million people. The number, yes. of, and the number of people who have divide, who've died from the coronavirus is also more than people who have died in the entire, I think, the entire Afghanistan, Afghanistan conflict. Um, yes. Even though, but I mean, the amount of money we've spent, uh, I mean, we probably spent a lot of money fighting the coronavirus. But it's like, what? I don't yeah. know. This reaction to 9-11 is just bonkers because at a certain and, and people like the Afghanistani people, there, there's this video like on the Internet I watched. You ask, you show people pictures of 9-11. The Afghanistans have no idea what that is. They're like, is this, is this, they're like, is this Kabul? The, the, Kabul doesn't have any skyscrapers that look like that. Like right. the, the, the people we're fighting in Afghanistan, they've never, they, they've no context for these people to come. It's like we're, we're aliens almost to, to them. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Like the, there's been a lot of talk about this, obviously in, in recent weeks for obvious reasons, but um, the, initial mission of the war in Afghanistan was to prevent Al Qaeda from having like a, a region that they could safely operate and plan like additional ops from. And then mm -hmm. it became nation building over time. And there was mission creep and more stuff was added over time until here we are today, still dealing with it. So um, it wasn't that Afghanistan, like it wasn't like the people of Afghanistan were presumed to be connected to 9-11 although i think that was kind of how it was marketed obviously oh sure yeah but the operational understanding was well al-qaeda is in here and the with this regime of the taliban in charge of the country they are able to operate with you know without any restriction so let's put a stop to yeah. that but then we just kept going 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 and then we went to yeah. iraq and you know so many other things <laughs> yeah well yeah i mean iraq is totally a side project that they kind of just sl slid in there but yeah, I mean, kind of fighting the Taliban is sort of the same thing too, almost. That it's just like, that's not the original thing we were kind of doing, even though you can kind of see how, yeah, I mean, having this region of the world that's completely destabilized and constantly in civil war, and, and it's, there, there, there are warlords taking over areas and it's just conflict constantly. It's like you go in there with, with a bunch of American soldiers. It's like, that, you're not going to be able to sort that out. Like, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I have. I don't have answers to the good questions <laughs> Afghanistan. Unfortunately, it's so much to think about, and every time it's like, I don't know if whack-a-mole is a good analogy, but every time you like try to pin down one problem, 
you leave yourself exposed to like another problem. And like, there's, yeah. it, it's very chicken or the egg. Like, Oh man, look at all these problems, but also we caused them by being there, but they were problems that were pre-existing. But if we go to stop them, we create new ones. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. Yeah. There's, so there's I don't know how does, how that, because yeah, I know that, that knowledge of just, I don't even, I don't, I wonder how that kind of affects Gen Z's looking at that. Because it's like, that's got to feel obscure because they, they grew up after 9-11 happened, right? They're yes. born after it. So it's like, to them, it's, it's like a piece of history that's just sort of been lingering for their whole lives. It's just a thing that's there. And they, yes. don't, they don't get that kind of that reaction to it. And then, and then in this coronavirus thing, and they can see this sort of reaction. And and I, I like I don't know if if that rings as like hollow to them or just you can see this I don't know you it just seems so contradictory the way some people are have reacted to those two events if you've lived through both of them. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't blame Gen Z for having such a dark outlook. <laughs> well, they're also. I mean, that doesn't doesn't even get into. Uh, we were so optimistic with talking about virtual reality and stuff earlier. And now it's just like, and then, yeah, I mean, of course the um, global warming thing is just like looking at that is, is yeah, I don't know. Well, there, there's a piece that I, that I like, I stowed away for reading later, but the headline or like the blurb on it was enough for me to go like, Oh, like that's really something to consider is so Facebook has obviously probably been like the strongest single force for pushing for the mass adoption of like VR because they are mm-hmm. selling the quest and the quest, the quest two at this point, basically I think like at a loss the way that like video game companies sell consoles at a loss to make it back on like video games and stuff. Right. Like mm-hmm. after the fact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so. Um, or razors for your shaving. Exactly. Yeah, I was just thinking about that. Yeah. It's just like that. Um, so they make it after the fact, and they're just pushing, pushing, pushing for it to go out. But they, they are a huge corporation. And the concern is, um, I don't know if you've heard, like, in order to maintain an Oculus account, you also have to have a Facebook account. There's, like, no way around that at this point, I think. Mm-hmm. And to even run, for, the, to even run the, the hardware? Yeah. You have to have an active okay. Facebook account, I believe. And for a lot of people, that is a, a deal breaker. Like they won't even touch Oculus, but the Oculus is by far the most accessible because it's, you know, the cheapest hardware, it's reliable. They're always adding to its capabilities and everything. And Facebook is just pouring money into it every single day. There's like millions of dollars going to the development. And Mark Zuckerberg has been pretty open about wanting to create this metaverse to basically basically create the Ready Player One type of experience. But what this article is getting at is that VR might be a boon to corporations and other interests that want to like do things that would lead to more restrictions of freedoms in the real world. And if we retreat into VR for leisure more and more, we might not notice or care that like real world liberties are being infringed on because we're, we're having a blast in ready player one. I hmm. do find that a concerning. Like for, for example, what do you think would liberties would be like limited? I'm sure that the article has great examples, but I mean, just, <laughs> Oh, you didn't read it. No, I haven't yeah. read it yet. No, I've, I stowed it away for like later, like in my pocket account or something. But, um, if I had to like think about, like, I, I guess like the things that we're, we're concerned about now 
we might we might have to contend with like um like uh laws that make it more difficult to vote period for example hmm. or yeah. or or even like seemingly innocuous bills or innocuous you know policies that have some sort of downstream effect that people would more readily recognize if they were outside of VR, you know, thinking about policy. Not that people do think deeply about policy all the time right now. Yeah. But if we are going to VR and it's a, this real functioning metaverse and we're not only there for leisure, but for work too, and we're just always there, it'll become easier to be distracted yeah. by it. I mean, do you work, you, you, do you work online, right? Yeah, I work from home online, but not yeah. in VR. Yeah. I mean, how different is that from, I mean, I don't know. I feel like if I put on VR goggles to simulate my work, I would be sitting in front of a computer desk anyway. Mm-hmm. Like I've in done the that VR actually. world. <laughs> yeah. I've done that with like virtual desktop where I can see my monitor in VR, but there is a real monitor in front of me anyway, so it doesn't really... Yeah. Oh, one thing one thing it does do that is an improvement though is that it absolutely seals off outside distractions. The only thing I can perceive is this workspace. So I can't even see out the real world window at that point to see like animals going by and stuff. Which sounds yeah. dark, but I mean if you're trying to focus, there's no better way to focus than to literally put a screen on your face and headphones over your ears and have yeah. that be your only stimulus. Um I should know that I do have friends who do work in a virtual reality environment. That has to be something else. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, hmm, I can't. They are, what, what do they do? Well, these are like people big, who like. If needed. Yeah. yeah, no, like like people who like, who like mod for um, like the VR social platforms. Or oh. there's like people, people who, um, who do, uh, who help robots that deliver food um, optimize their route. Oh man. Yeah. yeah. So like they get a feed of the, this robot and they can see like different data. Like can see like a camera feed. And I think they see like, like heat maps and stuff, but the robot already knows what address it's going to. And yeah. they help it to like navigate stuff. That's difficult for a robot to do. That's irregular. Yeah. Oh yeah. I figured that that would be a job at some point or whatever. Yeah. Um, but do you like? Isn't uh, like Phoenix? Like, do you guys have like self-driving cars on the road? We had the very How first you... self-driving car fatality in history here. Yeah, but do do you not have them like kind of around, and you're able to get in them and stuff? Uh, no. I thought Uber... you guys were ground zero for that stuff. Well, we were, but that 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 death um, definitely. Oh put a pause on things. Uber was, was testing that technology here. Um, be, I think because Phoenix is such a irregular grid in how the streets are laid out um, that it was like a no brainer. But then do you remember that case though, where the, the driver hit the, the pedestrian? Uh, no, it must've been like three or four years ago now, but it was on a bridge over Tempe town Lake in Tempe, Arizona. And a, an Uber, like, not, I don't know about technician, but like driver who was one of the people in that like pilot program was sitting behind the wheel, letting it do its thing at night. And they were looking at their phone, watching, I think the voice specifically. Nah. And 
they're not supposed to do that, and they're on camera too, so you can actually see the moment that she realizes that there's someone in front of her. Someone started walking across the bridge, like, like across, like, like across the lane. It's not like down the side of the bridge like you're supposed to. They walked across traffic mm-hmm. in the middle of the night, like with a bicycle that they were walking, and they were not using a crosswalk, and it was too much for the. Um, sensors to like realize what was going on until it was too late. It did try to automatically break, I believe, but it required at that point human intervention to have prevented it. And so that was kind of the end of that. I don't think we've had any of those. Maybe we have. I think there might be a different company though, but it definitely wasn't as prevalent Mm -hmm. after that. It was like a big shock. You were like, whoa. Did you see them? Did you see them like going around and stuff? Oh yeah. Or were you just like... Oh yeah. No, I've seen them. And they've got like the the Google Street Map style like sensors on top. Yeah. Huh. It takes a big sensor array to navigate even just like you know the turns and stuff. That's interesting. I wonder if there's different companies who like they have different records cuz I know like whatever I was wa- I thought it was Google, but who knows if they're leaving stuff out. I think it was I think it was partially funded by Google now that I think about it the video I was watching. But yeah, they were like, you know, all of the like collisions or whatever that happened were like all not their fault. And some of them were like people collided with the car when the car is stationary. So it's like, it's it's like even Uh, if there was a driver and it wouldn't be their fault. Yeah. Yeah. And then the crazy thing about Oh, good. Or go ahead. Uh, Ethical questions of like, uh, like if a self-driving car that's going to get into a collision and knows that some kind of collision can't be avoided. Should it prioritize saving the driver? Should it prioritize saving the greatest number of people? It's yeah. Oh yeah. That's the whole, yeah, the trolley problem, but you have to have the, the, you have to have this computer make a decision for, yeah. for, for real. Um, I guess the thing that I heard the, the rebuttal to that is like, those instances are, are so incredibly rare that it's like, I don't know. I mean, just the, well, the, the, right. the, the, yeah, the amount of, if, if the record of these vehicles continues to be what it is, which is very good, it's, you know, superhuman, then replacing humans who are driving would save enough lives. Like, it's like, you know, it's like compared to those types of really sticky accidents, like even though yes. like you know I guess I guess it's a, a moral thicket it's still justified in having robot cars you teach math, math right yeah so yeah you know full well that like raw cold data does so little to sway people like oh. people easily yeah. latch onto things that get up in their feelings but if you tell them like no see, like look at like look at the the relative safety of air travel, for example, is not going to stop someone from being scared if they're already scared. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's one of the, yeah. One of the things I've heard about that is, so this is from like a book that was talking about how conservative people think. And they were saying that while, while it's pretty clear that conservatives, conservatives, they think a lot of, uh, they have a lot of inaccurate kind of beliefs and, and things, right? And that's, sure. and they, they have a lot of them. But like the 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 leftist kind of, uh, you know, incorrect belief that they that they're that they're never aware of and like often don't admit to is the fact that people 
are not convinced by valid argumentation or data or or things or science or things of that nature but but even though you know most leftists would be like oh yeah i get that the actions broadly of leftists completely think like they they always act in ways that are like no people should be convinced by this stuff like it's like a right. belief you can't you can't Get, it's it's the biggest mi misapprehension that you constantly fall for, it's which just, is crazy. It's very meta because it's like an applied misunderstanding of misunderstanding. Like, exactly, exactly. You oh, think so they crazy. think they think that that's how you win an argument, but it's it's not how you win an argument. Oh, it's totally not, and that frustrated me like my yeah. whole life. Like as like as you know in school and stuff. Like, that's not what wins arguments. It's not the truth. It's not facts. No. It's argumentation. It's, it's um, so many other things. It's theater, which brings It us really is theater. Back to improv. <laughs> Everything comes back to improv always. And yeah. one thing that I was thinking about throughout, like, all this later part of the discussion is, like, one of our earlier questions was, why couldn't something as simple and bare bones as improvisation emerge in an earlier age than the 20th century and like what aspects of civilization had to come together what parts of culture had to pre-exist in order for improv to emerge and like we said you couldn't be like a subsistence farmer and have your whole community around you be just focused on that and never take in art or have time for it to make improv happen even though to us it's second nature it's so easy you don't need any stage you don't need any props being able to do improv is kind of a privileged position ultimately like to have the ability to do improv I, I get this feeling that it, it, it is kind of a privileged thing. And I've only recently like wondered about that. Like, like I, like if, like, for example, if improvisation was happening in Afghanistan, it was probably uh -huh. happening on some, like, in, like on a base or something with, within a cup, within just a couple service people who were like enthusiasts. I don't know yeah. otherwise, but I'm like, that's the first thing that I would imagine. Like I can't see an environment that's constantly war torn having improv go on yeah it's the it's 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 just leisure time in general i think too like yeah like yeah i mean they're, they're not playing soccer either right. you know like right. th it, what they're doing ap apparently for for leisure time is what, what it looked like in this documentary i watch is like i mean they were having conversations but it looked like they were sitting around doing nothing because like they're poor you know they don't have anything to do and they're probably tired you know, yeah. from from working all day. Um, but also, like, of course, drugs is a problem there. So they're kind of just, I don't know, the kind of probably ubiquity of, of drugs and probably also, like, criminality in general and yeah. uh, probably sexual abuse, too. They're, like, those are probably some of their, their leisure activities and which those things, like probably seem less frivolous and more concrete than than even than what improv is or even what a sport a sports are so yes yeah I th I, there is i think there is a common perception even here that improvisation is frivolous compared to like traditional theater or a lot of other activities you can think of it just comes across like a game it comes across yeah. like a, a child's activity it's make-believe it is. It's literally make believe, and you just that you just refuse to stop doing it, even though you stop being a child, yeah. physically. So yeah. it's come a long way, certainly, 
Um, but I don't, I don't think I've ever heard anybody outside of improvisation refer to it as a high art. Hmm. With that, improvisation, certainly. Yeah. But outside, no. That that's interesting because it's also like it's not a form that's captured a lot, like that you can capture it a lot. Um, right. And I wonder if that kind of puts it in a position because even though it is, I mean, it, I mean, if you want to, like if there's tons of videos, there are, and there's tons of, of course, podcasts and recordings and news bearer, I guess, or whatever. But the fact that it is kind of sort of meant to be immediate is part of, it's part of it. Like yes. you can't, you can't follow, like some of the reasons things are funny in improv is because of the entire, the buildup to it. You know, yes. it, it doesn't, it, you listen, you listen to the last 10 minutes of something. It's like, this, none of this makes sense. Yes. You know, and or, you or come in there, you're like, that, I, or even I like no missing idea why out, even missing out on circumstances that caused a show to like start late, like that becomes part of the experience of the show, but the video is not going to start until the show starts. Right. So like you, as a viewer watching it online now, you're going to be like, what the heck? Like, why are they talking about this? it won't have the same energy. Does that make sense? Like you're in the audience, the show gets delayed for some reason, like who knows, there's some disruption in the front or something. Like that's not going to translate into somebody watching the show as a video 2D. Yeah. Yeah. And there's some, yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, no, go ahead. Yeah. There's some, there's something about it in that, even though you're in the audience, like even though you're in the audience, like, you can choose to throw out the suggestion for them or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's just kind of, you, you're even like, even in the audience in a way you're participating with it sort of, I don't know how, like you are. Yeah. Even if you choose not to make the suggestion, I think the fact that you're in there and watching is like, it is, it is a thing. Yes. The, the energy is definitely affected by being observed. I also and wonder the, left. yeah, on Uzbear, yeah, because on Uzbear, I sort of always have a, like, a feeling like, oh, this is, this is at least being recorded. So I always have in my mind, at least, there's a potential audience all the time. Right. Um, I don't know that there is, there is. I mean, it seems like there's always at least a few listeners to the, any recording. So I suppose right. someone's listening to some of them. I think that some of that is us reviewing, though, I think. Like reviewing, uh, like you, like like people who were there listening to it again. You're saying? Yeah, like to f figure out where to hand out an award or something, or just to listen again. Oh, well, or to hear a show then. Well, I consider them to be an audience because it's like you're they become you become a little bit removed of it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I don't think. That, yeah, I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know that there's completely. You're saying completely random people who we've never, never been. I mean, I've listened to ones that I've not been on. Yeah. Same. Yeah. And so it's like, well, there, I, I, and so for that, I think it's interesting that, you know, probably most of the personalities there and right. have interacted with them. So that makes it different too. I've even, yeah. I've even like, I was listening, I was listening to one at the gym and I was like, I, I, was, I was saying stuff out loud. I was like, I was like, Oh, that's what I would have been. That's what I would have been putting in if I was there, you know? Um, but, uh, because I, I don't know. So, well, one interesting uh, thing about like the filmability of improv, like it's I think improv is kind of infamously hard to like film. Like you can film, you can film it, and theaters do post their stuff, and obviously a lot is lost in that um, 
process. But for the most part, right, it's like one camera at the back of the audience or something, and it's just static, yeah. and it's not really very cinematic. I mean, you can you can film stage plays and have them come across a lot better than improv sets, and a lot of that has to do with like the setting, obviously. But it just doesn't come out as well on a, on a video. It's like being at the baseball game versus watching on TV. However, this was highlighted to me like a week or so ago. Um, in VR, you can have a free roaming camera, and so you can get these shots and like make a really good looking presentation after the fact that can be oh. reviewed. Yeah, yeah, that's what. It, yeah, is is uh, Middle Ditch and Swartz is probably the the one where they've that I've ever seen where it's probably they put the most money into filming it. Oh, well, there's also like UCB has. Yeah. Ask like Cat, the ask, it's ask Cat. Yeah. Yeah. Those look good. Those look good. But they, they, those even had multiple angles, right? So yeah. it, it wasn't like this continuously flat thing. And we could see, especially in middle edition Schwartz, I had a great sense of like depth. Like when someone moved further back, it was clear to me because the camera wasn't mm-hmm. from the front facing them head on. It was like above a little bit. And so you could see some of that yeah. isometric, stuff going on they did get that kind of scene picture and in, in that yeah moving back and forth for different things they use the stage yeah. well those just those uh performers i guess it's yeah. also whose line is also i i yeah true i think again yeah but again multiple yeah. angles and stuff yeah i think it yeah any any kind of yeah the majority of improv stages don't have any of that stuff and honestly, you know. now that I think about it, if I was to like watch a show from a theater, like my own theater or something, where it's just one static camera, if it was the same show and it was actually cut up into different angles at, you know, throughout the show, I would be more engaged. It's just more watchable. Yeah. Hmm. So yeah, I get. I guess there's not enough. I'm amazed. Middle edition Swartz. I mean, I think Milditch had some problems or whatever, but I'm surprised there hasn't been another season of that. Yeah. I'd be fine with just more improv content like that on streaming services. Like, why not? Yeah. I know. It doesn't seem like it would be that expensive or at least the same oh. expenses of doing a stand-up thing. Yeah. No. And like, you'll make some of the money back just because of the fact that it's a live performance and you'll be selling tickets. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I think it's impossible for you or I to say that because you and I probably know people who would have seen that. So I can't, I don't feel like I have an accurate gauge of the de- the degree to people actually watched that stuff. Yeah. I don't know, but it would be cool if there was more stuff like that. Yeah. I would watch it. Oh, uh, here, I'm going to segue to being done because I haven't eaten dinner. No, me either. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, hey, Chris, I want to thank you for being on. Uh, I talked to you. This is the longest one of these. So I, I, I always find your perspective interesting. And as but people always say about you, you've got a, quite the depth of uh, pop culture knowledge. But I think you're also just very aware generally of uh, just other stuff, too. <laughs> like, you, you seem to have a depth of thought that's great and interesting to just talk to in general, but also is, of course, apparent in your improv. Um, so, yeah, I appreciated in, indulging in that tonight and uh, as always and i had a lot of fun and i'm glad you, you took the time well, well thank you i mean it's all very nice it's all very kind and uh, i appreciate it very much i had fun but i i i you know what? I, I i i i gotta get this off my chest okay i don't know if you're i don't know if you're ready for this okay and it's a, it's a visual thing okay oh 
Oh. Read my lips, okay? Oh. You're terminated. Oh. Did you catch that? Mm. Yeah. You would I... have to read my lips to catch it. Mm. Yeah. Oh, okay. oh. I just, I just got it. You're <laughs> terminated. <laughs> Electricity everywhere. <laughs> uh... <laughs> uh...